Hello and welcome to Final Games, a podcast about the games that inspired us. I'm your host, Liam Edwards, and thank you for joining us for the 30th episode of the show. We've passed the angsty years, the get out of the house and get a job years, and now we're slowly settling down into the get a career years. Not that we really want one anyway. This week, my guest is someone who was suggested to me multiple times by previous Final Games guests in the past, and I've been told I would be in for a treat by interviewing him. So let's hope so. (laughs) Yeah, let's hope so. (laughs) (laughs) My guest for a very long time in his career has been associated with Nintendo, working as an associate editor at Future's End Gamer magazine, but more moving to Future's other Nintendo magazine, Official Nintendo magazine, where he worked as an associate editor before being promoted to editor of the magazine in 2013. Unfortunately, official Nintendo magazine ended in October of 2014, but my guest was already lined up to take up the role of editor of official Xbox magazine, where he's been since. My guest today is the lovely Mr. Matthew Castle. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Hello Liam. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Yes, yes, I'm. I'm. I'm well. I'm. I'm. Uh, yeah. It's. It's. It's kind of. Uh, Tragic to hear ten years of my life abbreviated into into twenty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have, as you said, been around for uh, ten years now, which is crazy. And for most of that time, you have been associated with Nintendo. Um, yeah, yeah. But how did you get started then? Um, uh, it's, it's, it's like the the dullest uh, first job story ever. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I left I left university. Um, you know, was was looking for a job, didn't have a job. I'd actually sort of set my heart on going to film school and uh, absolutely tanked uh, my application. Uh, so I sort of went into like a, a massive funk for the for the sort of summer of two thousand and six. Um, spent most of my time eating ice cream and watching Smallville on Netflix. Um, <laughs> it was uh, not a good not a good period. Uh, and uh, at the same time, uh, NGC relaunched uh, as N Gamer. And in the first issue, there was in their news section there was a tiny little uh, advert for a job. It had um, a Greener, Mark Green, who was the editor at the time, uh, as sort of uh, doing a kind of we want you to join the army type poster thing, like a Lord Kitchener thing. One of those and, definitely uh, cliche type yeah, posters. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, <laughs> this seems like an original crew I'd like to join. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I applied for this job and then had an absolutely excruciating summer of, of basically you know, waiting to hear about an interview, having an interview, and then it took them months and months because Endgamer was quite a young mag and I think it was still sort of um sort of sort of working out what it wanted to be and actually whether or not it was gonna have a staff writer at all. So it was almost like they were recruiting for a job which may or may not actually exist. Um, <laughs> so uh yeah, there was you know, it, it took them ages to get sign off. But yeah, eventually yeah I got that that uh magic phone call and um yeah, the the rest, as they say, is history. Um, so yeah, I didn't sort of stumble into it in, in, via any exciting means. I'm afraid. Um. <laughs> it's really funny that the more I interview people who, especially people who worked on magazines, like apart from maybe one person, I think everyone has, in a way, wanted to do something else and then ended up not settling, but definitely stumbling or going towards working on a magazine as a separate thing to what they actually wanted to do. So yeah, I think maybe the, se- <laughs> maybe the secret for anyone who actually wants to get into the games industry is to not want to get into the games yeah, industry. 
it's 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 not so much a case of like not wanting to do it. It was more that as someone who read these magazines, you know, since I was quite young, I know probably N N sixty four was the first mag I really got into, uh, which was the predecessor to NGC and N Gamer. Um, uh, you know, it just wasn't a job you even considered because the staff were so sort of entrenched. And you know, I tried to get work experience never got work experience and so you didn't go you didn't pin your hopes on it because you were like oh no one does that job you know just these lucky guys uh so you know when this thing came up and you thought oh well you know i'll give it a go of course i'm not going to get it i haven't got any work experience i haven't got any previous experience you know i'd written some film reviews for the student paper but yeah and it feels like a bit of a fluke because you know i've recruited several staff writers um you know while i've been at future and you know you get letters from people who genuinely have like my entire career path has led me to this moment of this is what i want to do you know <laughs> I've, I've, I've studied you know you can even study games journalism at university now which is faintly terrifying <laughs> that is we were we were talking about that recently quite a few people on twitter um that is a strange it's, it still seems very strange to me that that is actually a thing now yeah i Considering that I see what games journalism looks like on a daily basis, and I'm like, how the hell do you teach this? I'm, you know, like <laughs> like fifty percent of the day is is just me winding up the team and annoying people. I I don't know like what it actually kind of what what skills they can possibly teach you to kind of prepare you for the bizarreness of this job. And you know, you know, it's kind of like here's a hundred different ways of saying Mario jumped on something because that's really the challenge of this job is just finding new ways of saying the same thing every year. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, which is I, I find more and more as a you know as I enter my tenth year, that's the that's that's the, that's the massive challenge is just trying to find a, a new take on what is fundamentally the kind of the same thing I've been writing about since yeah. I started. Um, yeah, so I don't really know what they teach. I'm sure the course is brilliant. I, you know, I'd love, to, you know, I'm sure it's a lot of fun. But, um, but yeah, realistically, it's... realistically, just as you are, you know, you're the editor of official Xbox magazine, one of mm. the UK's premier magazines. You are prospectively someone who uh, is going to be employing people who potentially do this course. Um, yeah. But like, just as a quick aside, out of my own interest for the people who are doing this course as well. Um, Comparing like someone who did like a traditional journalism course and then did like video game review freelancing on the side as well as like maybe have their YouTube channel and stuff mm. compared to someone who just set all their heart on doing a game journalism course. Mm. What is the reality of that game journalism course person even being hired over someone who did like a traditional it's, journalism course? <clears throat> it's, it's really as simple as uh, if you can write, you can write and we'll use you like it is you know it doesn't matter where you came from it doesn't matter what your background is i'm you know whenever we recruit a staff writer we maybe get like 200 300 applications and it is a competitive field yeah and i always ask for a writing sample and i basically i read the writing sample and if i like the writing sample i'll bring you in for an interview um it's as simple as that um you know uh i've actually i've kind of known with the three people i've hired I've had a good inkling going into the interviews that they were going to be the ones just based on the, the writing sample or the cover, you know, then I'd look at the cover letter and if that's got a bit of personality, you know, you're just looking for like turn of phrase, you know, an interesting opinion, just a bit of a spark of something. And, um, 
yeah, you can just tell, and that may be really disappointing for people who've, you know, spent, you know, three years studying something and just to hear that it comes down to something as simple as that. But at the end of the day, you know, a great writer can come from like any background. Um, you know, no one can teach you to be a great writer. Uh, yeah. you've, you've kind of got it or not. Uh, you know, sometimes I actually feel quite, I feel quite sort of sad when I do these, these um, uh, application process because you get some people and they've done three years of journalism and the thing they submit is just so bad, so weak. And you're like, you've paid for three years and this is where you're at. You know, I, you know, I almost feel shame on the university for taking your money because, you know, someone should have said a long time ago that this wasn't going to be the thing. You know, someone should have said, you know what, actually we should have stricter guidelines on who we take (laughs) because it sounds, it sounds really rough, but I've had people and they're like, this is, this is it. This is my one dream. It's like people get on X Factor, you know, they're like, I've always wanted to be a pop star. And then they just, you know, it's just like nails down a backboard and you're like, didn't your mom say something earlier? Like, you know, um, it's, it's, it must be rough. I'm not, you know, the, the whole process of like, uh, you know, you need to have a, a dream shatterer earlier on in your life. Um, yeah. But uh, with some people, like, that's literally the case, um, which sounds it sounds brutal, but it's true. But then, you know, that's my personal experience. There are plenty of people at Future, and there's plenty of people I know who have studied journalism, and they've come out of it, and they've got all these amazing skills, which other people don't have. You know, they're really great at interviews. You know, they've got a natural eye for a news story. You know, these are skills it took me a long time to develop. You know, I I could, like, bang together a sentence, but as an actual kind of professional person that you'd send out to do stuff, I was like, mess. (laughs) Um, So, you know, absolute absolute state. I'm massively underprepared. I've I've had so many, like, disastro interviews in my first few years. Um, you know, just down to basics. I'm the first person I ever interviewed. I had to interview the guys who were porting um, Scarface to the Wii. And it was only when I was talking to them that I suddenly thought, oh, I should probably be writing this down. Like, I wasn't recording it over the phone. <laughs> and then and, and I was just trying, I was desperately trying to remember what they just said while they were saying other stuff, which is why if you read that feature, it's got, like, two lines of quotes in it and lots of paraphrasing. <laughs> Um, so uh you know editor of xbox uh, editor of official xbox magazine there for you everybody yeah so i like i should clarify i've got a bit better since then um but uh you know i've had other things where like um yeah i've gone to interview people and or i've gone to events and i didn't know that there was an interview and i know naff all about the subject matter like i I went to do, um, they brought a Mortal Kombat to the Wii early on and I got there and they were like, oh, and you'll be interviewing Ed Boon in, in half an hour. And oh, shit. I am, I am not a Mortal Kombat guy. I like, And I was just desperately racking my brains. I was like, what do I know about Mortal Kombat? And like, all I could think of was like, oh, there's a thing where they turn into babies. <laughs> <laughs> so so you sit down with Ed Boone, he's like, oh, hey, man. And you're like, uh, so, turning into the babies in Mortal Kombat. What's that about? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that was that was, that was was also disastrous. Um, yeah, I, I still get the fear, actually. I, actually, I was just at Gamescom last week, and I had yeah. a similar thing with... Um, I turned up for a um, Planescape appointment, and uh, they were like, oh, you're going to be interviewing Brian Fargo. 
uh, you know, crater of fallout, wasteland, all these things. Yeah. And like, you know, the father of maybe like the, the kind of classic RPG on PC, which is a genre I know absolutely nothing about. And I had this same, like, it was like being back in that Ed Boon situation again. It was just like, oh, come on. Think, <laughs> PTSD. Think. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. And I tried to dress it up as like a... Oh Brian, you know uh, a lot of your games haven't been on Xbox, so let's let's treat this interview like like we're talking to complete beginners who know nothing about you. Let's just let's just pretend between us that I know nothing and treat me like an idiot, and uh, you know then you'll target it perfectly at our readers. So uh, I think I just about got away with it. <laughs> Quite funny, actually. I actually tried to contact Brian Fargo about appearing on this show. Just as an oh. aside, and uh, his his like I don't know PR agency or representatives got back to me, and they're like, we don't think this is a, a good fit for Brian. Oh, that's sad. Uh, he's, we, actually, he's a really he's a really nice guy, and he's like super passionate. And I got the impression like he's um, you know basically uh, Kickstarter has given him and and a lot of of his sort of peers from the time like a sort of second Lisa life. You know, he's yeah, himself yeah. like they're making games they couldn't have got published any other way and you know he's basically reliving those sort of glory years again so you know fair play to him um he's also an incredibly busy man i imagine but um <laughs> that's a shame boo boo brian fargo <laughs> so mr matthew castle while you are not stumbling around in the interviews and uh under preparing for <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> basically your job <laughs> Do you find much time to play many games as the editor of a magazine these days? I, do, yeah, I do. I play a fair amount. I, I must admit, I'm, I'm uh, this is probably surprising for for when you come from a Nintendo background, which is so sort of steeped in in um, you know retro love and kind of the, the the history of Nintendo. I'm not I'm not really one for going back. You know, I'm very much, uh, you know, I, I like to play new games. I don't really replay old games. And, you know, when when you don't, like, obsess over things, you've actually got plenty of time to kind of yeah. turn on forward. So I, know I do a fair bit of reviewing for the mag anyway, and I like to play the big games sort of basically to make sure that I'm on board with what we're saying as a review. You know, I, I like to, you know, I like to have some grasp of what we're actually writing about. Um, there are exceptions to that. There's some games I won't touch, like Dark Souls and things like that. Um, <laughs> sports games and racing games, just absolute no-nos. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I, yeah, I do I do play a fair amount. I, I must admit, I haven't played uh, a lot of Nintendo stuff um, this last couple of years. I mean, I think that probably correlates with. I just think Nintendo are in a slightly weird place, and some of the stuff they're making isn't really the stuff for me. I mean, when they release something, I am big into. You know, Xenoblade, or there's a new Ace Attorney coming out. You know, I'll obviously you know make time time for those. But I, yeah. um, you know, I I kind of I think to do the job properly, I have to kind of properly like immerse myself in in Xbox. I mean, you you want to have a you know a shared experience with your readers. You know, you want to know where they're coming from as well. And so it's you know it's quite important. I know you know the flip side of that was back in the day. And I say back in the day, it was only ten years ago. But um, you know, when I was doing Endgamer, you know, I was playing so many Nintendo games that I maybe didn't have time to kind of like fully immersed myself in 360 and ps3 and it was always um always felt like there was a massive gulf between what we were doing and what the other mags were doing because they were like getting in just the most amazing looking things and then we'd be playing 
you know, freaking boom blocks on a CRT. <laughs> and, and we had this, and our, our review set up. So we used to have this thing called the Games Cage, which was, I don't know what Future Publishing's building used to be. I think it might have been like a bank or something, or, or had some financial element to it. So it has these great big cages that were clearly used to store kind of like valuable materials in. Um, and uh, we turned this one on each floor. The cages were used for different things. And in the games floor, it was where we had our review stations. Yeah. So there was like Games Master and then there was PSM3, which is where Andy Kelly started. Or, you know, on that mag, he was on that mag's sort of lineage. Um, and then there was Endgamer on the end. And they both had these like gorgeous flat screen TVs. And then we had this huge CRT. And to like, make matters worse, it was... Um, <laughs> It was. I never really understood this. It like appeared to be covered in yogurt. Um, <laughs> like it had all this. It had all these stains on it, which were like yogurty stains. And I don't know why we didn't just clean it, but it was sort of. So we used to play thing. I used to joke everything was reviewed in Yogo Vision, whatever that was. <laughs> um, you know, it's just because everyone else had all this sort of like. Oh, it's you know. You had people online going, oh, it's not true 1080 or it's 780 or it's upscaling. And then there we were playing on like the blurriest bastard you've ever seen, uh, like behind a layer of yogurt. Uh, you know, I think Digital Foundry would have a fit. Um, uh, but it was, uh, you know, we'd, we'd always be there playing our things. And yeah, so we kind of, you know, you, you just... There were so many Nintendo games that you kind of, you could completely lose yourself in that scene. Yeah, um, and it's you know I you know I I absolutely love that period. I as you'll see from my list, a lot of the games come from the time that I was on N Gamer and official Nintendo. Um, you know, it's it, uh, a time that had a, a you know a really big impact on me. But yeah, you know, I I, I do play a lot. Um, you know, I I wouldn't say there's any game that I've kind of like mastered. You know, like I know people who kind of pump so much time into one thing you know you got like rich stanton with monster hunter and the 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 from software games you know and joe Screbs with his uh you know dynasty warriors stuff you know I'm, I'm a bit probably a bit more casual than them but you know the games i love i you know i do love with a passion yeah well speaking of games then we should get into your first one which is a rather new game and uh it's recently just been topped uh, on top of PC gamers, best PC games of all time, top one hundred PC games yeah, of all time. Yeah, well, it was it was also the the number one game in uh, OXM's greatest Xbox One games of all time, <laughs> which is obviously a massive field. Yes, it's the best game of three years. <laughs> um, <laughs> Where did Sunset Overdrive come on that list? Do you oh, remember? Was it even on there? <laughs> low, low down. <laughs> that is because uh, I bought an Xbox One and. That was like the only game I could play on it for a very long time, and oh, right. I, I had some fun with it. So I was just yeah, I, I liked Sunset. Yeah, it's yeah, okay. It's, it's good. It's yeah, okay. it's okay. Yeah, but it's okay. and I gave it, I I gave it a freaking eight. So of course it's okay. I've done it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, <laughs> that journalist backpedaling has already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's terrible, isn't it? I always find this online, like hammering something and i'm like oh god i gave it a 90 <laughs> and then you're like what, what was i thinking <laughs> yeah uh red steel i think is for oh let's not, let's not go into that <laughs> i think we'll leave that one alone for now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we are going to talk about this first game then which is definitely a 90 and above um which i think most people would agree with so we're going to listen to some glorious music from this next game and then we're going to talk about it Thank you. 
So, Mr. Castle, the first yes. game on your list today, as we sort of hinted at before, um, is the exceptional Western RPG developed by CD Projekt Red that came out in 2015. What was it? May of last year yeah. uh, for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. It's yeah. the third in the wonderful Witcher series. It's The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Mr. Castle, why is The Witcher 3 the first game that you're taking with you? Uh, it's so it's funny, you know, just a couple of minutes ago I was saying that like there's no game that I have like completely lost myself to and and pummeled sort of time into, but actually The Witcher 3 kind of is probably the closest thing. Um yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a game I've played a couple of hundred hours to. Um and it, I, th- I think the thing was it didn't even feel like it at the time. Like I just, um, it's a, it's a game that you, a, a world you can lose yourself in, sort of so completely. Um, you know, from a, a visual point of view, it just looks like no other kind of what. You know, just the topography is so sort of lumpy and interesting. You know, open worlds tend to be so sort of flat and bland. You know, they're all about heading towards the next big kind of. Um, landmark on the horizon but yeah. the picture is just sort of like just the little curvy roads that you're kind of guiding your horse around like uh, you know i just it's a really interesting place just to move about in for that you know like you know moving into a forest it's captured the i think the sensation of uh like what like medieval travel must have been like you know yeah. where you have kind of like these knotty little roads you have slightly more built up kind of routes but then it's just the sensation of like galloping across the fields and for my money it's it's kind of um like maybe the actual horse control itself isn't like superb but the sensation of just freely riding you know probably you know the the, the best horse riding I've, I've i've done um more so than like red dead i'd say like i just yeah. love the sensation of of like riding over grass it's really nerdy but it's true um, <laughs> it's funny you say that really because actually it's not something i've really thought about the witcher 3 w- the world itself obviously is incredible and i think one of the things that i've just thought about is in most games especially open world games you can sort of maybe pan around in a circle and maybe see one or two landmarks to know to how to sort of yeah. position yourself on the map whereas when i think back to the witcher 3 there is like all these towns and they don't really look the same obviously they have very similar architecture and the buildings Mm. are the same depending on where you are because the game is split into various sections but if you did like a pan of a circle like a 360 of the camera you wouldn't really notice anything on the horizons that stands out as like oh i know where that is so you sort of do get lost in this world which makes it seem even bigger because you you yeah. feel you feel so far away from like the major city or like uh, a castle that you've just been to and that kind of thing. It is really weird where they've got away with m- making it just seem like a big o- a, like open road with all these forests that you can just go through and you kind of just lose yourself completely. Yeah, it's 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 actually kind of interesting with the uh, the um, expansion um, Blood and Wine because that like. That is also absolutely amazing. Probably the best bit of DLC I've played. Um, yeah. But in that world, you know that that has you know that's kind of built around that central castle and like wherever you are, you can basically see that castle and and I think it really suits that area perfectly because the whole thing is you know it's this kind of 
the whole story is defined by like the kingdom's relationship to the royal family and, you know and wherever you are you can see those spires and it's a bit more like a classic fairy tale in terms of some of some of the missions you do so it makes perfect sense to have all these kind of distant spires that you're traveling towards um you know it's a bit more of a classic sort of fantasy world and it's a bit more of a classic adventurer fantasy like being in that that world um, yeah. so I think you know to me that that really marked it out from the main game um but yeah yeah in the, in the main game I mean there are you obviously like you see castles and you're like what the hell is that I'm gonna go over to that um but it's just I mean, I'd, I'd say sort of pound for pound like the average screen in that game is just so interesting and fascinating and you know there's there's something to look at I and mean, it's one of the very few games that I don't like use fast travel much in you know I like to actually ride the journeys and sort of see what happens along the way um and it's know. funny actually because the way cd project red set it up is they've kind of set it up <laughs> so it negates using it because you always have to go to the like signposts yeah, to fast yeah. travel and those signposts tend to be on the fringes of towns yeah so you'll sort of maybe like oh here's the closest one you'll gallop towards it and then you'll get there and you'll be like oh wait there's a town over there oh i'll just go to go to the town and then yeah. you spend like three hours in the town doing questions. You're like, where was I going again? <laughs> what was I doing? Yeah. Which is kind of a really clever way of sort of negating like the use of it. Because I, I agree in a way. I don't think I used fast travel in that game unless I was like trying to finish a quest, like not yeah, wasting I, I, time. I, I, I used it a bit in. Um, I'd use it a little bit in Novigrad just because I, I I'd get incredibly lost. Like I was really bad at navigating that city, and I must have spent you know. 30 or 40 hours of the game in it but i um yeah still to this day couldn't like walk from one end to the other without getting lost um uh yeah i i think that what i really liked about the signposts as well is that like when it would um like you'd just be riding around the countryside and then it would pop up like oh there's a signpost and you'd know that there was something interesting like nearby or you know you'd be like what the hell's out here you know you'd be deep in the forest and then it would it would just say some kind of cryptic location name and you'd be like, oh, what's this? Um, you know, it, it, again, kind of just like hinting at all these like adventures around you. Um, oh, it's such a good world. It's just amazing. It's an amazing place. Um, and, uh, and, that's, and, that, and that's without like saying, you know, obviously the writing, I think is absolutely impeccable and it it's, um, feels like, you know, you say mature and obviously some people sort of, you know, you say oh, it's a mature game and people will think of all the kind of sort of boobs and sort of cheeky stuff in it. Um, but, you know, I just <laughs> think the kind of, I think the concerns of that world are, you know, very different to other video game worlds. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm absolutely sure, I'm sure someone has talked about this before on the show. Um, did someone who picked, did someone pick The Witcher? I think The Witcher has appeared maybe three times now. Yeah, I swear. Or someone, it was your 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 protege, uh, Kate Gray, um, chose The Witcher three as well. Protege, protege. <laughs> protege. Uh, speaking of <laughs> speaking <laughs> speaking of applying for jobs under Mister Matthew Castle, I applied for a job to be a staff writer at Official Nintendo Magazine, and I was beaten by Kate oh. Gray. Oh, a long I'm, time I'm, ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I hope, I I hope definitely... you don't bear a grudge and that you're going to murder me horribly. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't be but... on this show otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, Kate, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I was just going to say, yeah. Kate, Kate, Kate was 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 really awesome. I had a really good, 
a really good sense that that it was it was probably going to be her. She wrote this really weird thing about a games console you could smell. Uh, and I was like, yeah, this sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> but she chose The Witcher as well. Um, hmm. And this was on the, I think this was the week that Blood and Wine came out as well. So. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's yeah, I know, yeah, I, I, I actually ummed and odd a little bit. I almost said The Witcher too, um, which was um, a game I had like, uh, I bought it when it came out because I had a few friends at work who were like, "Oh, The Witcher two, this is really special." When it when it came out on three sixty, and I bought it and I played an hour of it and I absolutely yeah. hated it. I thought it was just total garbage. The the castle scene show, I thought it was terrible, and I um. I gave it to my brother, I think. I was just like, just take this, take this horrible game and never want to see it again. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I was preparing for The Witcher 3 and thought, oh, I'll give that, a, I'll give that another go. Um, I think I bought it like pre-owned in a shop or something. Uh, and I, I sort of stuck with it. And it's got a lot of problems, The Witcher 2. Like its combat is just like pretty, pretty naff. Um, it's definitely uh, like the... It's definitely like the alpha version of what appears in The Witcher 3. There is a massive gap between The Witcher 2's combat and The Witcher 3's combat. You know, The Witcher 3 is like hardly an action masterpiece in in and of itself. So, um, but uh, yeah, what I loved about 2 was um, the kind of politics of the thing. It's really Game of Thronesy in terms of like how (laughs) knotted it all is. Um, There's all these... um, you know, people murdering kings and there's loads of like different royal families and loads of people kind of competing for the throne. And yeah. um, it it probably, I'd say more so than any game, raised like moral quandaries that I found really difficult to kind of not deal with. I'm not saying like I had a meltdown or anything. Like, I, you know, I couldn't, it's only a video game, you know. It's uh, crying but, like, in a corner. Yeah, clutching, yeah. Like I, clutching I, the like, box. <laughs> I really undenied. There's a... Um, Oh, I can't remember his name now. There's a, the, the, basically there's like an evil king in the second chapter of the game. Um, he's sort of uh, laying siege to this sort of small town, and yeah. if if you uh, take the branch of the story where you're like helping him and his army, um, he's an absolute. Uh, you know, you help him get there, and then you basically realise he's a total maniac, and you're like, well this other guy you know your your vernon roach who's a great character who's also in three um says oh we should probably kill this guy because he's a maniac but obviously the, the game's all about people assassinating kings you know it's called the assassins of kings uh and you know the game's like well you know at some point we've got to draw a line under killing kings like we just can't keep killing all of our kings and you're <laughs> like yeah you're right like I, I, maybe i you know it's ridiculous like i fundamentally you know, set out to stop people murdering kings. And even though this one's a complete bastard, m- like, maybe I shouldn't be joining the whole king-killing thing, um, which I loved as a, just as, as a moment. I was like, that's such a daft thing, but I was really invested in, like, the hierarchy of the kingdom and all this kind of stuff. And I think 3 has, like, less of that, um, but obviously, like, makes up for it in just the sort of scale of it. Um, well, you have I've some also... quests like the Baron, um, like the Baron's quests, and yeah. um, that has like some like the the multiple endings of that quest are, I think, each equally powerful and definitely oh, like make you think, whoa, whoa, hang on a sec, this is just a game, right? Whoa, these are especially yeah, def- one of them. Like, 
De- no, definitely. I mean, that is that is an exceptional quest line, and um, in fact, it's so strong that I think it overshadows a lot of a lot of the other quest lines. You know, oh, I, I absolutely agree. I like totally you talk agree. about it so much that it's kind of like you try and think of other ones. You know, yeah. you think like, what did I do on Skellige for forty hours? I did something. <laughs> I think you know. I think Skellige- someone turned into a bear at some point. Skellige <laughs> makes up for it for being like. I th- I don't know. I have such a soft spot for Skellige in terms of how incredibly beautiful and weird Skellige is. Yeah, and, yeah. It's um just yeah, riding it's, on a boat with the uh, like the sort of choir music in the background and all the mists fading as Skellige opens up a bit. Yeah, it's beautiful. Absolutely oh, it beautiful. Amazing. It is amazing. Another a really dumb thing about the Witcher Two and the Witcher Three. So when I when I properly got into the Witcher Two, um. Obviously, The Witcher 3 was very nearly out, so we knew a lot about the game, and they'd made a really big deal about how violent the combat was. They were like, look at these bloody finishers. You can, like, <laughs> chop people's arms off. You can, you can literally cleave them in half. And I was like, oh, that's going to be great, because that was the big problem with The Witcher 2, is it didn't have that level. You know, I found the combat, like, you'd kill them, and then they'd just sort of flop around, and you'd be like, oh, okay, I guess. And uh, but, th- but then at the same time, The Witcher 2 had some, like, really like just total shitheads who I really wanted to to you know off and I wanted them to get a um you know a really violent end and then it dawned on me that um because the game save would like continue over I was like well if they survive the Witcher 2 I might meet them in the Witcher 3 where I can give them like a more violent death because <laughs> uh, I can do the Witcher 3 finishes on them so every time I there'd be like a, are you going to kill this turd I'd be like no go free go free and then they'd be like oh thank you sir thank you and you'd be like that's alright I'll see you in the Witcher 3 <laughs> um, wait your turn <laughs> yeah but well the, the, the big example of that is uh, the Assassin of Kings himself um, Letho in um the witcher 2 you know at the end i let him go uh also partly because i didn't want to fight him in a difficult boss fight uh but i uh <laughs> i was like he was like i'm gonna go and i was just like yeah go go on go on and i was Has like ended? I really, yes <laughs> yeah i'm gonna meet you in the witcher 3 and i'm gonna chop you in half and it's gonna be absolutely amazing but then when i went to, met him in the witcher 3 uh he was actually like feeling quite sort of sorry and bad about what he yeah, did and i yeah. ended up like forgiving him so the whole reason i let him go in the first place and he ended up like helping protect the castle at the end and i was like yeah you're all right you know i'm, I'm glad i didn't brutalize you with a finisher um i also but, didn't kill him i also yeah. didn't kill him so but i was looking forward to that so much um also that king i mentioned i let him go because i was like oh i'm gonna meet you. and he's an in the witcher 3 which is like incredibly annoying. So that was a mistake. <laughs> uh, I should I should probably load up my old save file and you know smash his head in or something. <laughs> well, I think I, I, The Witcher Three I think is still a game that, for as long as this podcast runs, is going to appear on multiple occasions. There are a few games that <laughs> definitely appear more than most, and I think as time goes on, especially with the most recent DLC packs. The, it, the Witcher 3 is just going to keep appearing. It is such a standard in... It should be like the the world building and the character NPC conversations, they should be become a standard in building RPG worlds because they are just so excellent and of such a great quality that The mm. Witcher 3 is just excellent. Yeah, and obviously, I, I obviously Xbox uh, official magazines... Um, Number one, best ever Xbox One game. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. No, it was um, 
yeah, I, I, it's, it's, I just think it's, it's, you know, I'd say some slightly dodgy combat beats aside, it's um, like just the my sort of perfect world to lose myself in, which I think is important on the desert island, you know, in terms of like kind of fully like immersing yourself in a in a different place. I think that's the uh, that's the the open world for me. Yeah, well, I think it's about time we move on to your next game, which is very very different. Um, yes, I can't even. I can't. I, I must admit, I can't actually remember what list I gave you. <laughs> so, so this would probably be as much a surprise to me as anyone. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna listen to some music from the next game, and we're gonna talk about it. I am quite honored to say that Matthew, you do listen to this show, um, yes. which is exceptional to hear. You are such a lovely person and such a, <laughs> a, a honorable editor of magazines that I have read <laughs> oh, God, the you, work oh, of. You, you have no idea, Liam. <laughs> I'm a total shit in real life. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you will know that this, we now need to sort of talk about the deserted island that you're going to be going to, or yes. you're trapped on. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you have prepared anything before we spoke I, today. <clears throat> I have. Excellent. Um, that yeah, makes my so, life easier. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I was sort of umming and ahhing about, like, locations where, you know, they're just really interesting to be in and or would have, like, great things to help me survive. So, like, yeah. you know, but, you know, you say Animal Crossing Town because, you know, there's all that fruit and that's all great. Um, uh, obviously, there's more to Animal Crossing than just fruit. Right? It's, like, you know, it's, it's um, safe. It's, uh, yeah. it's, got a, it's got a low crime rate. It's got a lot going for it. Um, uh, well, depending on whose Animal Crossing Town you end up in, I, I for a stupid magazine joke on uh, Official Nintendo, I tarmacked my entire town. Um, using a tarmac <laughs> floor tile, uh, and I thought it was hilarious at the time. But then it's just miserable, and like no one's happy there, and just yeah, it's a really bad idea. Um, so I completely ruined New Leaf for myself, and can't really go back to it. Um, but what what I've actually gone for, I've decided to let nostalgia win because there's not a huge amount of nostalgia like in my list in terms of like really old stuff. Actually, this game isn't really old. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, I want to go to uh, uh, the home of uh, uh, cut off. Oh, fuck off! Sorry, I've completely blanked. One second, sorry. <laughs> so I've, I've been thrown for a second. There. 
<laughs> oh, no, sorry, sorry, Liam. It's all right. <laughs> Carl, I don't know. I blanked on it. Carl Hyde from the uh, Hotel Dusk Last Window. Ah, um, okay. The Cape, the Cape West Apartments. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, uh, I, I want to go in and live in his apartment building from the Last Window, uh, which is I don't know if you've played the. The, the Hotel Dusk and Last Window games. I've played the first one. I haven't played Last Window. Yeah, not. It seems that that seems to be generally the case. Lots of people have played Hotel Dusk. I think it's just got a really good name. Um, you think it sounds a bit Twin Peaksy, but then you know, yeah. Last Window is like, what's to do with that? Um, yeah, like so. Obviously, the whole thing with both those games is that you're stuck in one location and you just come to know it really well. Like you know, you, you know, you're in a hotel and then you're in an apartment building. And yeah. the major story beats are basically tied to uncovering more of the building, but it's not like a Metroid spaceship or something. It's not like a really massive world, I and mean, it's literally ten apartments. And you know, it gets to the point where you're in such a limited space that even like opening a broom closet is like a blockbuster event. You're like, yeah. "What's in the cupboard?" And it's an ironing <laughs> board, and you're like, "Whoa, an ironing board! Amazing!" Uh, and uh, yeah, I've just so obsessed with uh, you know that place. I just came to know it so well, and it's got it's like um, you know it's got comfy bed. At least I assume it's comfy because it looks comfy, um, and it's got a little diner downstairs, so you can go and like make yourself some food. Um, it's got a pool table, which is probably going to be fun when I'm by myself, uh, and uh, it's got everyone else's apartments. And I know that the people aren't there. That's the deal. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the deal. But I can. I, you can still like it's interesting going into other people's homes and just nosing about. Uh, so that will probably keep me occupied for a couple of days uh, before the madness sets in. So, uh, yeah, oh, broom! Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's weird. Like the characters, they're quite clearly defined. You know, there's like a musician and there's like a fi- there's like a wannabe film director. So I, you know, even though their apartments are a little sparse in the game, I imagine if I was there in real life. You know, there'd probably be some DVDs or something. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure there'd be something scattered yeah. around to entertain you. So I, I just, I like, I like that location. I'm also feeling a bit bad because I didn't include uh, either of the games in my list, which I, I very nearly did put Last Window in because I'm just really fond of it. it uh, you know, it's a very um, nostalgic feeling game. Um, you know, it came towards yeah. the end of. Uh, sings life as a studio and I think it it just feels very kind of melancholic and the fact the game itself is about people having to move out of an apartment building feels like um, you know a slight nod to what was happening I I actually interviewed the 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 sort of one of the creative leads on the game and uh, after the fact and they were like no that wasn't the point um, so that's just my reading of <laughs> just it a coincidental uh, time <laughs> yeah 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 it was basically that it's, it's just no it's just, that's just a sad coincidence and i was like yeah. oh, okay um <laughs> but uh yeah i just i really like that building um you know i really love that game uh even though i can't remember the name of the main guy <laughs> um, kyle kyle Carl hyde yeah kyle yeah. hyde um, in the Cape West apartment. Well, it's going to be Matthew Castle living in the Cape West apartment. Yeah, it? just sort of. I know, as long as they don't knock it down with me inside, because that would be rough. <laughs> um, well, there's no one there to knock it down. So it's oh fine. yeah, you're right. Oh yeah, I forgot. All human life is dead. Uh, it's yeah, just you. It's just <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, awesome. Uh, well, yeah. Well, speaking of DS games slash 3DS visual novel type games, 
We're going yeah. to talk about your next game, and you're unfortunately going to have to go onto my cheating list uh, alongside Why? a few others because you've won. To, you have chosen a game that technically has three games on it. Well, it's but it's a collection. <laughs> it's a collection, and it comes on one 3DS cartridge, which is entirely fine. It's yeah. within the rules. Yeah. The next game you have chosen, Mr. Matthew Kessel, is the uh, the collection, as you said, that was released in uh, Japan in 2014 and then a little later uh, in North America and Europe. It's uh, the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney trilogy, which uh, comprises of uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Justice for All, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Trials and Tribulations, which are the first three uh, games in the series. So... Yeah. Matthew, why are you taking uh, the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney trilogy? And just before we talk about this, um, just like Kate Gray, you have chosen both The Witcher and a Phoenix Wright game. I know. I I am Kate Gray. (laughs) Pulls off mask to gasps. Uh, uh, It was you uh, all along. (laughs) I pointed myself. Um... For a second wage. <laughs> double pay, double pay. Suck, suck it, future. Um, uh, yeah, I. so the reason I picked the trilogy, and I know it's cheating, is that I I just couldn't pick between the first game and the third game. Um, uh, Justice for All, I could actually happily leave, uh, which I know is sort of probably blasphemy to some, but, I, I you know, it's, 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 it's not my favourite thing okay. by a long way. Um, uh, and I feel that I wanted to say three, but then like the, the magic of three and, and the appeal of it is it's like fan service and the way it kind of wraps up the entire trilogy. And as a result, I just feel like they need to be taken together as a whole. Um, yeah, for my money, it's probably the closest thing there is in video games to like a Netflix box set in terms of, of a story. I just want to kind of consume, you know, episode yeah. after episode. And so I, I put the three together and, and actually like I'm taking a bit of a hit for this because the 3DS port is the kind of quite nasty. Um, it's not the original sort of sprites. It's the, the sort of slightly uh, remastered thing that they did for like iPad and whatnot. So yeah, it, it lacks a bit of the charm. So I fully recognise that. Um, you know, if you actually put a gun to my head, I would probably um, take just trials and tribulations. Um, but you didn't put a gun to my head, so no. I'm I just banished you to an island instead. Yeah, you just banished <laughs> me to an island. So you know, I feel like I've got kind of a raw deal. So it's all right if I take the, the, the trilogy. Okay, um, yeah, that's. Yeah, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. It's fine. But I, I love, I love this series. Uh, it was actually the first. Um, DS game I played. I didn't own a DS, um, shockingly, until I got my job on Endgamer because I didn't have a huge amount of money just to sort of spend on things. Like I've I've always been quite kind of frugal with my games buying. And um, when I when they offered me the job, um, I went out that afternoon into Winchester and I bought myself a DS Lite as a treat. And I bought um, uh, uh, the Castlevania: Dawn of Sorrow, which is also amazing. Which is fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's my favourite Castlevania on DS. I'm not a big fan of the ones which followed, which is, an un- un- again, an unpopular view. Um, uh, but, yeah, and I got the first Ace Attorney, and I was just... I mean, it, it ticks so many of my boxes. I absolutely love crime fiction. Like, I just don't, I'm a real crime fiction nerd, and uh, I love, uh, like, the ridiculous anime trappings 
Um, <laughs> and it just, you know, I've always kind of been drawn to games which kind of do weird things outside of your, you know, your very sort of traditional sort of genres. And, you know, it's just the idea of like, oh, it's a, like a lawyer game. You, I, you know, I couldn't even comprehend what that would be like. Um, I, it's, you know... Uh, so much has been written about Ace Attorney, but I, I you know, I think it's uh, like genuinely, I actually think it's like a masterpiece of video game storytelling uh, in terms of, you know, how much love there is for those characters, how brilliantly they're written, how funny it is. Like the twists are genuinely good. Um, the overarching story, I think, is really, really strong um, yeah. in terms of like how it all goes back to itself and how it uses like flashbacks and other sort of cinematic techniques. Um, you know, I think where everyone is always talking about, you know, video games which announce themselves as like important, worthy story games, you know, you're kind of David Cage trash, things like that. Um, you know, then you have this, which is just so like, it's so daft on the surface, but I think secretly it's probably the best video game story. Um, you know, I absolutely, I, I love this world. I love these characters. I, and it, it's lucky it works on that front because, you know, as an actual game, it's pretty simple. I mean, yeah, it's a visual actual... novel. It's it doesn't yeah, extend like... too far into being an actual game. Yeah, right. You know, like the investi- the investigation phase. I've always had a little sort of problem with in terms of it's quite kind of flat compared to the court scenes. Even yeah. when I introduced the cyclops in two and three to try and like game it up a bit, um, it never quite quite did it but like the court scenes themselves like the drama of it the um like the music and the way the the camera sort of whips about um i love the judge i think the judge is just like one of them like great underrated <laughs> video game characters i mean he's just brilliant like the writing for him is so weird so strange um and uh i i think uh yeah i think shutakumi the, the creator of it is just an absolute genius um he's uh i've done i've never interviewed him face to face annoyingly but i've done two large email interviews with him which are probably the best interviews i've ever done even though i've never met him um because he really engaged with the questions and he has so much interesting stuff to say about those games and and, you know he wrote them years ago you know they're for the gba originally you know so it's a long old time for him um but like the way he there's all this stuff where you're like, oh, that plotting is just so sharp, it's so tight, and so much of it seems accidental. Like, he wrote himself into loads of corners with the first game um, by basically introducing characters. So both, um, yeah, Miles Edgeworth, you know, is introduced as this prosecutor who's never lost, uh, which, like, really limited, uh, like, what he could do with it in the part, you know, in the past. Um, so in the third game, um, there's the case we've, where... Uh, Edgeworth is in it as well with the um uh it's the one with uh, Terry Falls the kind of the, the 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 sort of flashback to the the sort of bridge kidnapping um where one of the well I can't really it's a spoiler but the the situation sort of um the case remedies itself in quite a startling way um and at, you know I remember asking about this saying like Jesus the end of this court case is so like bleak um and he was like, well, it's because in the fiction, neither of the, the lawyers uh, had ever lost a case and they were facing off against each other. So I had to find a way that like <laughs> neither of them could lose. And I was like, oh, oh, weird. And you're like, 
really? Like, that poor guy, I know it's not real, but, like, what a horrible thing to happen to someone just because you accidentally <laughs> kind of did this. And, you know, similarly with the um, the way he was talking about, like, tutorials, like, the way he had to basically have an introductory case in each game, like, to teach you to be a lawyer again. But why would a lawyer have forgotten? So he had, like, a really dumb, like, uh, you know, Phoenix Wright gets amnesia, and then he has the flashback uh, to his mentor's earlier case. Um in uh, Trials and Tribulations. So, like, there's loads of stuff which I was just like, oh, this is just really good storytelling. But actually, it's, like, purely mechanical-driven. Um, yeah, I just think it's a, I think it's a really a really fascinating series. Um, I love the music. I think the it's just the, like, the sort of thrum of it, the, the, the energy is of, of the, the different kind of a, a court phases is really exciting. And when it builds that crescendo and then the kind of the yeah. bad guy kind of explodes into that kind of rage mode um you know it's just one of the most exciting moments like you, you you know in my head it's as cinematic as like any game i've played um i used to for years i always one of my sort of secret ambitions in life was was to somehow uh you know meet Shutakumi, wow him with my nerdy knowledge and then and then get him to make a uh, tv show of phoenix right because i had all these amazing ideas for how it would work and you know like a live action show purely yeah. driven i have i have the uh orchestral soundtrack to the game which is just uh like a brilliant game soundtrack by itself but this orchestral version like when you hear all those tunes like played by you know all the strings and everything it's just it's so stirring and exciting um and it's fundamentally two blokes slamming bits of woods and shouting each other. Um, <laughs> but it, it just feels massive. Um, it's, oh. it's actually really funny that you bring up Phoenix Wright as a game because um, I spent last week uh, in Tokyo. I was spending a few days in Tokyo. And as always, um, went to Akihabara and mm. um, was you know, going to like all the famous game shops like Super Potato and just all the usual places for all yeah. games and stuff. I also went to the Capcom Cafe with oh, yeah. my girlfriend and uh, two friends. And <clears throat> it's very small, but it's decked out in loads of Capcom stuff. And because um, in it, actually in a few days in, on September 8th, I think it is, uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Spirit of Justice, the sixth game is coming yes. out. Yes, very um, exciting. So that, that's that been out in Japan since June um, this year. So they yeah. are like on a big hype for Phoenix Riot. There was loads of promotion about it and stuff like that. So w- when you went to the Capcom Cafe, obviously the most recent games were Monster Hunter, Street Fighter V, and Phoenix Wright. So there was loads of Phoenix Wright stuff, like or like just posters of Phoenix Wright all over the place and just everything. And um, a lot of the drinks, like the cocktails, were Phoenix Wright-themed cocktails. Yeah. And um, you could have like the uh, the Phoenix right. You could have the Maya. You could have like all these different character themed cocktails. Uh, cocktails. And um, I had a Phoenix right. It was uh, it was very strong actually. Surprising. <laughs> like yeah, very strong. Like I can't remember what was in it. I think it was like vodka, pure vodka with. Uh, oh yeah, that's the like, that's the taste of justice. Yeah. Right there. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, but the 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 staff members um had to like perform. 
whenever they gave you a drink, obviously in true Japanese style, everything has to be over-enthusiastic and very unrealistic. Um, yeah. So the, the woman would come out and she'd give you the drink and then she'd give you a line from the game and then be like, objection, like in Japanese and like screaming at you. It was, yeah. really, it was, it was, quite, it was quite an experience. Yeah, like, it's really cool. Um, I, I went on a, um, a press trip years ago to see Dragon Quest Nine. And they took us to the Dragon Quest bar slash restaurant. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's still a thing, but um, uh, yeah, they took us there. And I we were there for about two. They, they, they'd they uh, factored in like an abnormal amount of time. I think you were only meant to go in for like half an hour and go, oh, this is cute, and then leave. Um, but we were there for like two hours. And the whole time they were playing the bar theme from Dragon Quest, which is that sort of like sort of almost like thigh slapping sounds slightly sort of germanic kind of um very upbeat and they played that for two solid hours and my head was in such a weird place and you know you were like oh my god you know i was jet lagged had all this bar music playing and then they were feeding us like some really gross concoctions based on dragon quest like we ate like um like jellyfish, which was meant to be like a slime, <laughs> and you were like, "It's a slime salad," and you were like, mm, "Okay." Uh, so, like, you know, you were just nibbling bits of sort of strange foods to this irritating tune, and it, yep. it kind of it scared me off theme bars forever. Sounds, yep, sounds like a Japanese theme bar through and through. <laughs> and the funny thing is, like, it, when you go into like a normal shop, like a combini in Japan, you'll have like. Recently, we had like. Dragon Quest themed karage, which is like fried chicken, and right. inside was like this weird garlic mayonnaise like sauce, which was meant mm. to be like simulating the taste of what a slime would taste like. It was really weird, oh, really weird, nice. and we have that stuff all the time. One of the things I also found out was because I, I I bought a few Phoenix Wright goodies, like a keychain and, and a oh, few yeah. things there. Um, I didn't actually know, and I don't know why I didn't, but Phoenix Wright's Japanese name is really weird. It's like, it's Ryuchi Narohodo. Yeah, and yeah. like, Narohodo in Japanese means like, I understand. I get it. Oh, so right. it's like, so it's like the most on-the-nose pun for like his job. <laughs> and oh, it's wow. like, someone was like, yeah, his name is like Narohodo-kun, like Narohodo-san. And I was like, what? Really? So like, imagine playing a character where he's a lawyer and his name is I Know. Like, I understand. <laughs> it's just, like, the most on-the-nose, like, pun or name yeah, it's, it's, ever. And it's one, it's one of my, like, great regrets is, is not being able to speak Japanese. I mean, A, because, like, the opportunity to it open up. But, like, with respect to games like Ace Attorney, I mean, those games have an incredible localization job. I mean, the, the dude yeah. them at Capcom is, like, a genius in terms of wordplay. But it does sort of sadden me that, like, I've not heard sort of Shutakumi's original script with the jokes and the wordplay and all you know I, you know they found western equivalents of everything and yeah. they've kind of massaged so like, it in but yeah. I, I I'd, I'd you know it I love this series so much but like at the same time you're like well I've not actually I've not ever played it and I'll never get close to playing it as it was like originally intended which is which is kind of depressing <laughs> I actually, I actually on while I was in Tokyo as well, I actually bought because I've been looking to buy a Game Boy Advance SP so I could buy Mother Three and oh, like okay. a box copy. And I, I also picked up a few other Game Boy Advance games, and one of them being like the first Phoenix Wright game, the GBA. Yeah. Um, not that I'll be able to understand or play it, but it's kind of cool to own because the box is like all silver and really shiny. It's really nice. Yeah, because the, the 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 DS versions had um, the Japanese versions had the English text in them 
Yeah. Uh, a few Japanese DS games have English options in them, which is yes. super weird because they don't do that anymore, which is incredibly frustrating for me, but they don't oh, tend to yeah, do that. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was one of the benefits of being on Endgamer as opposed to official Nintendos that we could do like import stuff um, easily. So, yeah. um, you know, we, yeah, we did all the... Yeah, we did all the Ace Attorney games on import, and that was just like fab. Like, it was so much fun. Um, yeah, wow. oh, I love those games. I actually, I met <laughs> I met Sh- Shutakumi once um, in a really weird way. I went to uh, uh, San Diego Comic Con just as a punter, like with with one of my close friends, and um, we were on the show floor on the first day, and there was like a big Capcom stand, and they obviously had a few developers over to kind of like you know, do fan autographs and stuff. Yeah. And I saw Shooter Kumi and I was like, oh shit, there he is. That's the that's the guy. Like I I'm obsessed <laughs> with this guy. Like he's, he's one of my favourite, you know, game writers, you know. And uh I thought I've got to say hello to him, but obviously I didn't speak Japanese. I didn't know if he spoke any English. Um, so I had to basically stalk him <laughs> around uh, around Comic Con trying to work out which of his mates was his translator. Um, and eventually went into like an anime stand and bought some. And then a guy was talking to the person on the till for him. So I went up and was like, this is going to sound really crazy, but like, I'm a huge fan of Shu Takumi. Please, can you introduce it? And I've got this photo, you know, I had a photo with him and everything. Um, it was probably massively, uh, unprofessional. I don't know, but I, um, <laughs> you know, I'm glad I've, I'm glad I've met the man just once. Um, excellent. You know, um, I, I actually, I almost put in ghost trick instead of Ace Attorney as well. Um, but uh, I was really umming and ahhing about that because I think as a just a one-off self-contained game, I think Ghost Trick is is kind of close to perfect as a story. Ghost Trick goes. is excellent, absolutely um, excellent. And I think you know, years down, years to come, people will recognise that as the the piece of narrative genius that it actually is. Uh, but uh, you know, for just pure nostalgia and volume, uh, it had to be Ace Attorney trilogy. Excellent. Well, we're only two games in, and we're and we're already hitting the hour mark. This is Quirky, amazing, yeah, so, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, the next game we're going to talk about, I think I could talk about for hours as well. And I'm extremely interested to hear why you've chosen this one over the other, uh, oh. especially considering previous uh, previous guests of the show, Gav Murphy and Mr. Joe Scrabbles, both chose the first game over the second. Yeah. So I'm very interested to hear why you've chosen this one. So let's listen to some music from this next game and let's dive straight into it. So the next game that you've chosen, Matt, 
um, Matthew, sorry, Matt, <laughs> to take with you to uh, the apartments. Well, to keeping the apartments. We were talking about DVDs earlier for the apartment, but you've got all these games, so it's not too yeah. bad. It's not yeah, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next game that you've chosen is the sequel to the excellent Super Mario Galaxy, a game developed by Nintendo EAD Tokyo and produced by uh, like Takeshi Tezuka and all this wonderful, uh, excellent Nintendo producers. Uh, it's a game that released for the Wii in uh, May of 2010. Very, very, sh- like very quickly, almost after Super Mario Galaxy. It was quite a quick turnaround on both those both those games, uh, very close to each other. It recently, uh, well, last year it released for the Wii U on the Virtual Console as well. Um, it's the absolutely excellent Super Mario Galaxy Two, Matthew. Yes, Super Mario Galaxy Two. Why mm. two and not maybe one? Um, it's it's actually it's a really simple reason. Um, I, I Mario Galaxy is absolutely like one of my favorite games of all time i always group the two together in fact like uh, they are together my favorite game i mean i just you know i think i think they are you know you absolutely can't sort of split them up so i but having to only pick one um i went with galaxy 2 uh partially because i think it gets to the action a lot quicker than mario galaxy like i actually i kind of hate the star observatory in mario galaxy 1 okay um, even though I think that game's a masterpiece, I think just the faff of moving between levels, you know, when you are so familiar with that game, it's like, I mean, it's only like 30 seconds to a minute, but it's like a minute that you're not, you know, consuming brilliant Mario Galaxy. <laughs> you're uh, not and, platforming around. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and two, just the way you've got the, the way the world map works, you can just get straight in there. You can just eat, eat your way through Mario Galaxy 2 kind of a, a lot quicker. I mean, in terms of like what makes it brilliant, it's exactly the same things that make Mary Galaxy one brilliant. You know, it, it, this is being done to death. Like so many people have have like explained Mary Galaxy or tried to explain Mary Galaxy because it's actually a, it's a I find it's a really hard game to both talk about and write about. Um, and I've never struggled as much with reviews as I did for Mary Galaxy one and two. Um, I you know it's it's because you just go into the superfluous phrase you know it's it's just a game that kind of invites hyperbole because it's just yeah you know, absolutely it's it's so kind of perfect sort of mechanically visually audio wise it's it it just you know it's it's kind of without peer really um uh that it just gets quite boring to hear about because you're like oh yeah 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 it's a brilliant yes it's better than everything else uh you know there's not many exciting <laughs> ways of saying that you know well you know you almost wanted to say like just just play it just you just that's all you need to say it's like just trust me on this i don't have to justify it you'll love it um and i you know i i couldn't trust anyone who didn't love it um <laughs> Like we'd occasionally get contrarians writing into Endgamer saying, "Oh, it's not actually all that compared to '64 or Sunshine," and it'd be like, "Well, it's... I just I, this isn't someone I I, could, I sort of share kind of uh, any kind of similarities with. You know, may as well be different species." Um, it's really strange because I've come to, especially recently, uh, talking about these games on on Final Games. I've gone back and I've played a lot of Mario games. Like I went back and I played Super Mario Galaxy 2 maybe a a month or so ago. Mm. And then recently I've been playing like the uh, All-Stars Super Nintendo edition of like Super Mario Bros. 1, 2, 3. And and I've played Super Mario World. And it's it's so difficult to... all, All of them are like excellent in their own way. But 
to be it's so hard to compare like the 2d especially because i kind of add super mario 64 into that bracket because they're all so very similar galaxy is just like something else it's just it's so different um Mm. and it's weird because they are like they're just immense examples of platforming in different ways like mario like nothing touches it because the way that it manipulates like your brain to think of things upside down and your spatial awareness yeah it just can't be compared to like older mario games which are just examples of exceptional 2d platforming or exceptional platforming yeah absolutely i i I also think it's like i think it part of it is tied. this this is like my super nerdy theory i think part of it's actually tied to the way the the wii's controllers are shaped like in my mind i like the nunchuck you know that kind of is mario like you know in terms of moving around um so you crouch with the z button on the back of the the nunchuck and in my mind you know you do a lot of like long jumps in that game which is where you crouch and jump and i just think that the sensation of that nunchuck in your hand when you press crouch like your hand kind of balls up you know it tightens up like mario it's just it contracts it's like it's little mario kind of like you know, dragging himself down, and then you kind of release him with the A button, and off he goes. It's just, it's so tactile, that sense of kind of like squeeze and release, squeeze and release. Um, same, it's just the size of the A button on the remote as well. It's just like, you know, jumping is what Mario is built for, and that button is just like, it's the jump button. You just slam that big button, and he, and he does this amazing jump, and he's jump, jump, jump. Or, you know, you're playing a Spring Mario, which I think is actually a really underrated power up. Um, and the idea of kind of like hitting that giant A button just as he hits the ground and he coils up and then you let go of the A button and off he goes. You know, yeah. it, it's a game where your your fingers really feel like every move that you're doing. I think it's just, you know, it, whether it's one or two, that is just genius. Like the, the, the way it makes you feel is just fantastic. Um, and, you know, I've never played a game which made me feel so connected to the character and just so controlled and so able. And a lot of people say, I find Galaxy, you know, a little easy. That's one of the criticisms some people throw at it compared to like Sunshine or 64. But I think it's just a testament to the fact that he is just the most responsive character. It's not that it's too easy. It's just that he is so brilliant that you can do the impossible with him. And it feels like you're, you know, a doddle. But actually, you know, yeah. it's, it's not like it's it's a, a lot of difficulty in games, I think, comes from limitations of how well people have implemented the character. You know, I think the classic example is like Mega Man, where I would always argue not a difficult game, just a really shit character. Um, but that's that's me, <laughs> that's me personally. I'm sure there are people who are like waving their fists in He's, anger. Me- um, Mega Man is Mega Man, uh, unlike Mario, Mario is is Mario is made to be like momentum personified as a character. Oh, yeah. He is made to be fast and precise. Whereas Mega Man is, he is meant to be weighty in a sense that he is obviously a robot, but he's meant to be heavy and you're meant to use that at, to, to slow yourself down, to think about what you're doing a little more. Oh, it's a Mega, weird, Mega like Man's, Mega Man's a grade A turd. I don't care what anyone else says. <laughs> well, the games are just the character. Oh, everything about, I hate Mega Man. <laughs> <laughs> the Mega Man is just like anti everything I like about games. So I didn't want to turn it into a Mega, an, an anti Mega Man screen. We'll, we'll, fr- we'll throw that away. We're back yeah, back on how good galaxy is. Let's, galaxy yeah, two. I, but that momentum thing, like, the thing about Galaxy 2, partly because of the way the world map is, partly just because of the, um, 
the actual like pacing and mix of the levels, I think it's just got better momentum as a game than than um, Galaxy One. You know, it isn't having to introduce you to ideas. You know, Galaxy One obviously had to kind of lead you by the hand. Galaxy Two was kind of, it kind of assumed you'd played Galaxy One and it even came with that DVD, which was like here's the basics of Mario Galaxy because you're going to need them. Um, it's, and it, it's it just weird. It, sorry. It's weird because, as you said, I think of both of them like you. I think of the second one just as a continuation, like a yeah. huge DLC pack of the first game at a time when they couldn't do that. It is just a continuation. Both those games could be one game together. I to- I absolutely agree with that. But it just, uh, yeah, and as that, like, it just picked up. Like it takes the baton from Mario Galaxy One, and it just doesn't like it's the 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 joy I felt playing that game is instantly there again, and it's just like right, where do we leave off? Oh yeah, I'm the best game ever. Let's do some more, and I'm like, oh great, okay, <laughs> yeah, let's do it, let's do it, Mario Galaxy Two. Um, I think it's just got so, like some of the ideas in it are so are so good. Um, I, I think there's the I think it's called Flip Swap Galaxy, the one where when you do the start the um the spin jump all the panels flip over. Yeah. So the game teaches you like this spin jump is like your, it's like your sort of safety net, you know, do this and I'll rescue you. But then it says, every time you do this, I'm just going to turn this whole level on its head. And, you know, it becomes so, you know, every, your, your kind of like muscle memory of how to survive in that game suddenly works against you. That is brilliant. Like I remember just seeing a screenshot of that, um, and you could see how it worked, you know, because Mario was doing the spin jump and all the panels were flipping over. And just look at that screen. You were like, this is going to be the best game I'm ever going to play. Like, this is it. I, I, you know, it's not going to get any better than that. Um, there was the level where it all changed on the beat, the beat block thing, which is something they've, they've kind of returned to in 3D World. Like, they've done some cool music stuff. But um, I love the... Um, there was a level with a different... Um, it was 2D side-on. Uh, I think it was called something like right side up galaxy or right side galaxy where it had like up and down gravity so you could do a long jump into into reversed gravity and then you'd, it, a long jump would become like a backflip onto the ceiling and just messing around with like his backflips you know his, his all, all his different powers long jumps and just seeing how they morphed as they went through different gravity fields like just the like the best thing um you know, you're swimming. You like you end up swimming through like two D box of water in space, and it's just oh, it's it's like pure magic. Like if I could just play that forever, I'd be the like happiest man alive. Um, you well, know, you I, are. You are going to do that. Yeah, well, that's great. <laughs> I actually, thing, it was funny. I was I was looking up. Um, I was looking up some stuff last night because I just wanted to check check a few names, and I forgot something I really love about Rare Galaxy is the. Uh, the names of the planets in other languages are absolutely hilarious, like the translations of them, because they've obviously got like very, um, you know, all the English names sort of play on the, um, like the verbs, you know, it's lots of like flip switch, do this, do that, you know, yeah. you get a real sense of what the level's about. But some of the translations, like they're really like overblown. I mean, that, that uh, right side galaxy, the one with the alternate uh, It's right fields. side down, isn't it? Or something right side. Yeah. Uh, right downside. I think it's like Spanish. It translates to as 
a mansion with gravity problems. <laughs> and you're like, I'll say. <laughs> it's just so literal. Like, I love this idea. It sounds like a like an estate agent. You're like, look at this lovely house. By the way, it's got a few gravity problems. <laughs> you're like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> Welcome to a world full of bumblebees that will attack you if you have, like, honey. <laughs> just completely yeah, yeah. literal. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, oh, what a game. And, you know the music in in both games is um oh, a lot of these games i've chosen incredible. because i really like the soundtracks so they sort of double as cds um, yeah i've but, always liked uh, the idea of uh guests taking a a game especially a good game but then just like leaving it on in the background just to listen to music because i would absolutely do that myself so that's mm. i like that idea yeah it's uh yeah actually the other, the other thing i think that elevates it above galaxy one just in terms of like feature lists um is the uh i think the green star end game is absolutely superb compared you know i think you know mario galaxy one has the whole do it all as luigi and that's fine because you know it's a challenge but i think the way mario galaxy 2 like hides all the green stars and it it really pays sort of homage to um the kind of tradition of like trying to break out of Mario, trying to go beyond Mario's levels. You know, there, there's always this great thing with the 2D Mario, sp- specifically as they go on, you know, more with like, you know, well, you know, in Mario Brothers 1 with, you know, the, the warp pipes in 1, 2 and all this kind of stuff. You know, yeah. there's, there's like rewards for people who kind of really push at the boundaries of, of the level design and what Mario can do. And the green stars at the end of Mario Galaxy 2 are basically that, you know, it, it, you know for people who haven't played played it you know and haven't haven't done the stars it basically puts green stars outside of the level bounds or you know you'll see them and you'll be like how the hell am i meant to get there but then through like creative use of items or by doing like mad wall jumps off like bits of scenery you didn't think you could do wall jumps off of you know you end up like in these places and it, to me it was almost like the developers saying like oh yeah yeah we know that you can, you know we got here before you you know you think you've broken new ground you're like whoa if i'm outside of the boundaries you know, <laughs> suck on this miyamoto and then there's like a green star which is just like and going like yeah and you know yeah i can do it too <laughs> oh like, we, we knew we, we, we knew you were you. coming <laughs> we, yeah <laughs> right i've been expecting you mr mario um <laughs> you know and i really love that and it, that also like uh when the the first galaxy came out um uh you know they they it was at e3 and and um endgamer didn't go to e3 uh as a magazine we we weren't deemed important enough to be sent out uh, by, <laughs> by future. yeah i know, you wouldn't know it from reading the mag i still think our e3 coverage was like second to none because through a combination of freelancers and basically we had to just consume every video on the internet and when you when you watch twenty different people playing the same demo, you actually discover things other people haven't seen, and you you know, you know. I, I always think our E three issues were really special, and even though we didn't go, like we we absolutely, you know. I think you would know more about the game than from someone who had been there, and that may sound like a really bogus, big headed thing to say, but like we really kind of like. Um, well, I I kind of get it because uh, especially like when you're there, a lot of press. Uh, report instantly on what they've seen or what mm. has been gone through, but like, there's never it's never really reported on again unless there's another piece of information. So there's never really any sort of uh, maybe reflection or like second checking on stuff. Yeah. So like, as soon as something's instantly reported, that's it. Like, 
Yeah. I mean, unless it, there's it, new news that's not reported on again, unless in some extreme cases. So whatever is first shown and that first idea you have is is essentially just what gets reported. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I, you know, we were a fan... You know, I always think of Endgamer, the difference from it, official Nintendo was that we were a fan... You know, we were basically a glorified fanzine. And to me, it felt like that is that is... That is what the fan experience is. It's about just consuming everything yeah. you've got, and 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 you know we did like full level. We did like um, annotated uh, level diagrams of levels we hadn't even played, but we pieced them together by watching all these different videos and things. Um, but like soon after E three, we we were invited to go to um, Nintendo's Windsor headquarters uh, as a team to just play all the E three demos because they knew we weren't there, um, and. We just we got the Mario Galaxy demo and it had the um, uh, is it Honey Hive Galaxy from the first one like the the beat the way you basically become Bee Mario, um, yeah. And we became obsessed with trying to break break out of the level. You could <laughs> jump up to areas, bee, yeah. And we, you know, it had like one mission which was like the go and climb on the bee mission, um, the big queen bee. But on the first lump of it, like we were jumping up and we actually found like the the E three demo had like a half built version of like one of the later missions like hovering above the level and oh okay so, so greener uh greener mark green who was like you know the biggest marion that i know you know he managed to like by a combination of like wall jumps and, and sort of just pure <laughs> flukery managed to get out of the level and all of a sudden like all the textures like drained from it and it was just all really abstract kind of polygon stuff and like there was no nintendo rep in the room which was lucky but you were just still taking pictures of it with mobile phones and being like yes we've done it you know we've gone further than any other games journalist um you know and, you know i just uh the, the the going back to it the green star challenge it just really reminded me of that you know that is, I think, uh, you know, that's just tr- a game that allows you to kind of, you know, break its its toy box. is so, like, rare. Uh, you know, games are designed to kind of, you know, by the end of the game, you've seen 100% of it. I and mean, why would you work on something and then not show it to the player, right? It's Absolutely, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. But here, they were so confident of, like, the, the core journey that you'd make that, you know, they were totally cool with, with just the real hardcore kind of going off the tracks and seeing what they could do. And it really helped that they introduced that uh, Cloud Mario who could make like three platform. You know, a lot of the... That was um, such a cool... Yeah. I, when I said that, it's just the idea, like it goes back to sort of maybe like the original where you could just run and then glide as Mario a little bit and then get like a little pump yeah, in the air and stuff. That's the thing, you know, a three D platformer so that smart. lets you make platforms. What? You know, that's mad. <laughs> it does that. Like that should destroy the game, but like instead it just allows them to go, you know, see that distant speck over there? Yeah, you can reach that if you're clever. You can go, and, uh, you can you go know, get that. Yeah. I, so I, good. <laughs> I think yeah, just I, yeah, I, I I absolutely love I I love, love, love that game. Um it's I, I, I always say I think Mario Galaxy's pretty much broken games for me. Like I I don't really seeing it, see it being bettered uh, like ever, which is kind of depressing. Um, but like the the where the Mario team went next was great, the three D world and three D land. But I don't think they're anywhere near as good as the Galaxy games. Uh, so yeah, it is weird, and it's it's even more depressing talking about it on this show. Uh, like Galaxy has appeared a lot, and 
you think about it, it's like, damn, like Galaxy Three, will it happen? Will it be as good? And who knows? And like, it will, but 3D- uh, the, 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 they've got the smarts. They know the stuff. I mean, I just hope that like my dream is they announce NX, and then it's you know most people wouldn't dream of just another sequel. You know, a lot of people would just want oh. them to find what's the when next is the sequel but... to those games I yeah think. I, I literally don't care like if they just yeah. give me that and it's just I, <laughs> I, it doesn't even need more power that's the mad thing about the galaxy game you know on Wii, you know the weakest console of the last generation by you know a massive degree and yet they have a a sense of like texture that most games would absolutely kill to have i know mean, it's really weird the surfaces is uh, like... it's funny you say that as well uh, obviously i've recently played <laughs> the virtual console version which is actually it's pretty good uh, hmm. you know it it could have had something done to it, but it doesn't need to, as you said. Mm. And um, a listener of the show, uh, James, sent me pictures of he'd he'd recently bought like a brand new TV, huge HD TV, and he sent me pictures of Mario Galaxy on the screen, and it just looks just as good as just any game. Mm. The, just the, the way Nintendo uses texturing and the lighting and the oh. the bold colors. It's just unmatched and unrivaled in so many ways, and the game just yeah. looks so good in the pictures he sent me. Um, so thanks, thanks for that, James. It was, oh, it was yeah, excellent it's just, pictures. Oh, it's just amazing. The music. I know. In a really pretentious move, uh, in my first Mario Galaxy review, when I reviewed the, the original, I put a, they put that clip up of um, the orchestra playing the Gusty Garden Galaxy theme before the game came out, and it had. Yeah. Like, Miyamoto like totally just like getting into the tune he's just like oh yeah <laughs> like he's really jammed to it. um and I, I had that piece of music and I basically had that on the loop when I wrote the review and I, I wrote it in a footnote because in game I had footnotes back then um saying like you should you know this is this is the piece of music this review is like designed to be read to this piece of music yeah and I was I was really and I didn't at all like it's actually quite a bad review i think uh in hindsight because of the reasons i said earlier like it's a nightmare to write about but like i just wanted to try and catch it like just a bit of the momentum of that game you know like there's a there's like you know i often say this about the really high scoring games like when you're talking about like the stupid scores you know, like high 90s like there should be an inevitability to that score like you get to the end of the text and you know that like it's just building and building and building. And when you get to the end, you're like, of course it's a 97. Yes, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Like, it should yeah. absolutely be the full stop. That score, like, there's no chance it was never going to be that score. And, you know, a Galaxy game it has that, like, itself, it has that kind of momentum. You're like, it's just relentlessly brilliant. And, you know, it works just, the whole game just builds and builds and builds and builds. And, you know, just trying to do that justice in a review and catch a sense of that just excitement that you get to the end and you just want to kind of blow, you know, you know, you literally want the end of the review to just be like a blast off and you're off, go and play the best <laughs> game you've ever played. And you want, you know, and, and, you know, I, you know, it's something I always, you know, I love the big high scoring reviews. I love reading other people do that. You know, when someone just absolutely nails it, you know, Rich Stanton's a genius at this, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you get to the end and he's given something a 10 and it really is a 10 and it just feels like there's no other choice but to give this game a 10 and uh, or, you know, you're a gamer essential or whatever. It's, it just gets um, you even more excited as yeah, well. Yeah, like because... that's what it's about. Because that, it's, you know, you're going to play the damn thing. If it's that good, you're going to play it. It doesn't have yeah. to be like, ooh, noodly, oodly, oodly. I just want it to be like a blast of excitement, uh, you know, and it, it's very rare you get the chance to write, you know, I haven't had a chance to write that kind of thing 
since Galaxy 2, really. Yeah. Um, I, 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 well, I, I gave Metal Gear Solid a 10, but it was a slightly more kind of noodly oodly thinky review there, um, yeah there are there are those tens that are like well this game is just the one is gonna be a standout pinnacle for the rest of gaming history like like galaxy yeah. and then there are games like Metal Gear Solid 5 which are games that systematically and uh mechanically are tens but need maybe a little bit explaining as to why they are over like other Version. Yeah, it felt like it a tiny little like, bit. Yeah, the Metal Gear thing was so the situation around that game was so tangled. It felt like it really needed clarifying, like what you know, and and, and not just clarifying, but um, you know, really explaining what you know, you know why. A- why after like so Ground special. Zeroes had happened, and yeah, there was a right. little... it just felt like this. It just yeah. felt like the situation was just a, a lot more of a mess. But um, yeah. You know, Galaxy, it doesn't have that case. You You're know, like, Galaxy, Banch- if Galaxy Banch- 3 comes <laughs> out, don't review it. Just, just everyone <laughs> just play like, it. Yes, yes, of course, inevitably. Like, oh my god. Even thinking about Galaxy What did 3 we expect? Me, like, yeah. Incredibly excited. Uh, oh my god. Well, oh, series. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to maybe. I, I, I don't know if you can get as uh, excited or as hyped about the next game, which is a very interesting choice and not, <laughs> not, and not something I expected to appear on the show before um so we're gonna maybe maybe bring the tone down a little bit from from a 10 to uh this next game so as matthew put it in his email to me um i i wonder if you can find any music for this next game i don't know if i can so let's potentially listen to something related to this next game and let's talk about it and piercing eyes He would sweep his dusty weapon through the sand And he'd use numbered clues to deduce the squares are mines There's a one to the left and a three to the right The square might be a mine There's a two up above and a six straight across with a flag down here We'll clear out several blocks to the north with a four down below We can mark the space of mine Cause there's seven in the middle and a five on the top Make a three sweep it down for some minesweepers in town Okay, so riding off the hype of uh, (laughs) Super Mario Galaxy 2 and the excitement of talking about the Galaxy games, there should be a ban, I think, uh, on Galaxy games on the show from now on because they're just, it's so, in hindsight, hard to talk about them, but at the time... yeah. Nothing but super loud, like just yeah, constant talk about how great they are (laughs) without sounding like a Nintendo podcast. Um, this next game, Matthew, is a game that's been around for a very long time. It is one of the sort of it's it's never changed, it's it's changed in some variations, but has been with every single person who's ever owned a Windows PC. Um It's a game that originates in the 1960s and has been written for like multiple computing platforms. Um, it's Minesweeper. <laughs> Matthew, you've chosen <laughs> Minesweeper. So a lot of people have chosen Tetris in the yeah. past. 
Um, I feel like this is your Tetris choice. This like, that is that is a, a, a yeah. I think a very astute observation. This is this is my. I could just while away my days. Just this is my time killer. Like yeah, I, I will just lose myself to Minesweeper. Um, yeah, it's like <laughs> I don't, it sounds stupid now. I've got just <laughs> now I've got justify. It. God damn it! Um, you do. You've got to. You've got so to literally like, review it. Yeah, in, in I, the, the sense where you have to explain. <laughs> the thing about Minesweeper is it's it like it's not even a game you could say, oh, it's incredibly simple, but incredibly deep. Because it's not really deep. Like, you know, the rules are, it's, you know, really obvious. And if, if yeah. you haven't played it, you have a big grid of, of, of squares. Behind some of those squares are mines. Uh, behind S square, which doesn't have a mine, it has a number telling you how many squares it's touching have mines. And from that, you just have to, like, work it out and kind of, like, reverse engineer where all the mines are. Um, uh, it's... I know... I've always sort of... <laughs> I remember, like, first encountering Minesweeper, like, on our first family PC. I don't know how old I was. It must have been, like, 10 or something. Um, and we had this PC, and it didn't have any games on it, but I didn't know that because I was an idiot. I didn't know how PCs worked. And I remember going through the little start menu, and there was a folder called Games, and I was like, yes, games! I love games! Like, <laughs> and then clicking on it, and it had, like, Solitaire, Spider Solitaire, Minesweeper, and Hearts. And... Like, three of those are boring card games, which just aren't interesting to a child. Though I also like Solitaire now. <laughs> um, and Minesweeper, though, you're like, oh, mines. that They explode. That's going to be an action game. <laughs> uh, like, that's going to be cool. Uh, yeah, I remember clicking on it and being like, what is this arse? Like, this is terrible. <laughs> uh, like, this, this isn't exciting at all. Like, this isn't Mario. What is this? How can this, you know... You know this grid have the audacity to have a name as exciting as Minesweeper. Uh, <laughs> you know, and like, what's the deal with that little yellow face? Um, um, yeah, and uh, then I just I never understood it, and never played it, and just sort of like ignored it. Uh, and then uh, it was at uh, it was when I was at university, so we're you know talking you know a good ten years later. Uh, I had my uh, first laptop. Um, that had uh, obviously had Minesweeper on it, and I was—I actually learned to play it. I, you know, I worked out what the rules were, and I quite like logic. Thing, you know, I quite like Sudoku and and um, Picross and things like that. I quite like simple games that just keep your mind at a kind of basic level of activity, but like not too heavily invested. Um, and you know, I you know I worked my way through beginner, intermediate, expert, just just doing them was like enough to begin with um and but what minesweeper is actually about is the speed it's about the time um which for a lot of people who've never finished a grid of minesweeper like just finishing it would probably seem like a victory enough but actually it's about doing it as quickly as possible um there are sort of various uh keyboard and mouse combinations you can do to kind of like get quicker at it in terms of like you can clear um once you've marked up where the mines are around a certain square, you can you can click to clear any unmarked squares in an instant, so you can kind of move through it a lot faster. And it just became a, a like an obsession of mine: the time, the chasing, the best times. Um, and I've never that's never been me. Like I've, as a gamer, I've never really gone for. I'm not a high score chaser. Yeah. I'm not 
like I'm not good at any game which requires like a te- you know where there's a competitive element. I can't play fighting games. I'm really bad at arcade games. Um, but for whatever reason, this was something where I fully grasped the rules, and I was getting like faster and faster and faster. I played. I like Expert Grid, which is Ninety Nine Mines, um, which a lot of people that you know I, at universities joke about Minesweeper. And people are like, you can't even complete Expert, and you're like, no, it's we're we're taking time off. And I was getting faster and faster at it. Um, like for me, the target was always just to break. Um, like 100 seconds you know a minor second was basically the was the goal for me and i got it down to about like 95 which at the time i genuinely thought in my head i was the best minesweeper player on the planet i was just like <laughs> oh yeah i'm like so shit hard check this out like wait until i crack this out of parties uh i genuinely thought it was gonna be my party trick because everyone has minesweeper you know any computer in the world has it on it so i thought this will just be my thing. I'll whip it out and everyone will be like, holy shit, that guy's so amazing at that thing we're all crap at. Because, um, uh, you know, I was a very sad Your party really. trick. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It was basically, it was basically uh, yeah, that was going to be my party trick. Um, it's super I weird, got... actually, because most of this has gone over my head because <laughs> I've never, ever really been able to play Solitaire or Minesweeper. Like, right. I've like they've always been there as you said and I've always had them and I've always played them to kill time but they've never ever like I, w- I wouldn't say I quote unquote gripped me like a game would in any way but I'm always like clicking them and like obviously in the Minesweeper thing just clicking in random places and then I've never ever gone and like googled how you actually play those games yeah, so, well, it's, 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 actually, all, it's just been a mystery to me like what it's you do it's actually a really de- depressing thing so I thought I was the best Minesweeper player in the world and then I went online to like the Minesweeper communities and was checking out like <laughs> like the official leaderboards and there were people doing expert in like 50 60 seconds and i i just couldn't break like this 95 i can't remember what the number was it's on my university laptop still i should have opened it up really um i just couldn't break this not like i couldn't get any faster than 95 and there were people who are doing it in like with like 40 seconds further than that so you know, and i just still to this day i've watched like people playing speed minesweeper online and it's so fast like i don't even like i thought i was a genius but these people are there in a different place entirely. Um, you know, I've got very, you know, respectable, like beginner times on all, on on all three grids. I hate I hate beginner instantly with just ten mines because there's a. I don't know if it's actually possible. It's sort of a, I don't know if it's just an urban legend, but you can um, potentially click it, and um, if uh, it can complete itself, so flags uh, might if if you don't flag uh, spots. And you you break every other square. The the squares will sort of self flag themselves. So okay. if, you, if you if you've only got the ten remaining mine squares in beginner, they'll self flag. And you know apparently you can click it and it will just demolish it and self complete in a second or something. Um, uh, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, uh, I think it was uh, I think it was Christian Donlan wrote a piece about Minesweeper for Eurogame, which is really good, like the history of how it developed and you know, how it kind of evolved and the version that you play on Windows, why it's that version and kind of who is behind it, um, which, which is quite... There's a lot of nerdy stuff about Minesweeper. Um, but yeah, I was just super fast at it and it got to the point where... Because I, I, I was just playing it for fun in my room and I remember someone 
like uh, uh, there were a couple of dudes in our dorm who were like in the third year. I was in first year, and they were just like hanging out in our room talking. And I remember just one of them being like, you know. I was playing Minesweeper, and he was just like, holy shit, what are you doing? Like, how are you doing that that fast? <laughs> and it's the only time I've ever been, like, someone's been amazed by my gaming ability, which is why I think Minesweeper <laughs> stuck with me. And I was just like, oh, yes, I'm the legendary Minesweeper guy. I can't, this is going to be amazing. I can't uh, believe, I can't <laughs> believe you didn't make a expert guide video on Minesweeper with yeah, Joe well, and Gav. That would have been I'm amazing. Still, I'm still very good at Minesweeper, but I'm really slow like where i was playing like basically whenever i had downtime like i'd have tv on in the background or if just friends were in the room i'd just be like clicking in the background and like muscle memory i just got really fast because the big thing in minesweeper is you begin to recognize like certain patterns of numbers you're like oh when you have those numbers it means mines are always here so you could just flag them and clear it really quickly um and the other nightmare was that you'd get to the end of a grid in a super fast time and then you'd have like literally a guess that can happen a lot where there's just you you know you've worked your way into a square into a corner and there's three squares and you're like well one of these is a mine you've literally no so, way of working out so you like for, for me like a, a punter essentially <laughs> are you you're gonna be like super quick like like it's gonna be like immense to watch isn't it uh well i wouldn't say like like I want you to upload a video of you, Mr. Matthew Castle, playing Minesweeper, just, yeah. just so I can see how fast you well, are. I, I'll get, uh, yeah, I'll have to put in some practice because I don't want to like, I don't want to do myself down, but I'll put in some practice and I'll record my place. But, but well, here's the other, here's the other, the, the, the sad twist. And this is how nerdy I am about, about, uh, Minesweeper. Um, I, when uh, when Windows changed Vista, they changed the visual design of Minesweeper. They removed the yellow face from the top of the board, and I stopped playing out of protest. <laughs> <laughs> because the whole thing with the yellow face is that whenever you hold the mouse down on a square, he does like a little, like, O face of like, oh my god, like, is it going to be a mine? And yeah. if you don't, he just reverts to his normal face, and it's kind of like few you know it's like him going oh god like, I'd, I'd love to know what his story is uh because he's really invested in how you're doing on the minefield <laughs> i don't know if he's like your boss like he's back at minesweeper hq and he's just like oh god oh my god oh, well, i imagine god. Oh. i imagine if it's mines maybe maybe he's like a hostage and you're trying to save him and he's like panicking like oh god i really hope oh god. not because i've oh killed god. that guy about a million times <laughs> <laughs> like he's died at Many painful deaths, uh, all in the name of me trying to get faster at Minesweeper. Because if you well, take your time, like you'll probably not mess up. You know, it's when you try <laughs> and do it fast, you begin to get a bit sloppier. Um, but yeah, they removed the yellow face and they turned it in. It was all like, um, it was all a bit science fictiony. I think it had a little animation of like the mines exploding, like little fire or something. It was just so, yeah. it was so crap. It was so tacky. <laughs> uh, like I'm, I'm like original. I'm like Windows ninety five, Windows ninety eight, or GTFO. Uh, that's that's the castle verdict. <laughs> the uh, original, the original gaming um, boycott. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember what this is. I should have researched this. I swear, at some point in the last ten years an indie dev was making a point-and-click adventure about that yellow head from Minesweeper, about, like, his backstory. Um, oh, man, weird. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Minesweeper people are kind of weird. But the, the, the other thing about it is um, 
my dad also likes Minesweeper. Uh, and we'd, uh, we got into like a, cause when you, on, on the home computer at home, obviously, um, there was, uh, you know, the leaderboards. If I beat his time, I could write something obnoxious on the leaderboards about him. So it'd be there like goading him, you know, it'd be like too slow old man or something. And <laughs> then he'd try and beat it. So when I'd come home in the holidays, you know, I'd log on to dad's PC and see, uh, see the leaderboard and see, and you know, my goading message would still be there <laughs> from like three months before. It's like, ha you haven't beaten me. Um, but uh, I've got so many Minesweeper anecdotes, it's unhealthy. Uh, on my home <laughs> you should write PC, a book. Well, yeah, Minesweeper changed my, my life. On my home PC, I actually um, I looked up online because I, I, I wanted to, uh, I don't know why, I wanted to like trick my brother into thinking I was really amazing at Minesweeper. And I went online and found out how to change the, like, the leaderboards from like the files you know, where Minesweeper was saved. Uh, so you could set like bogus times and I set this bogus time, but I did, I don't know what I did, but I basically broke it so that I couldn't like ever beat this time. I couldn't replace it. I couldn't refresh it. Couldn't reset it. Uh, so like my computer at home became just like a redundant minesweeper machine because I could never beat this like, you know, <laughs> like it was like, wow, beat this Alex or something. And it's like expert in one second or something. And you're like, well, that's, that's, that's Minesweeper on that PC ruined forever. Doing, uh, done, over. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I like Minesweeper. I can see myself sitting in my uh, Cape West apartment. Just, just playing Minesweeper. As an old well, man. It's just so simple. It's so easy. Uh, yeah. So that's why I like Minesweeper. <laughs> <laughs> I think like uh, I think like is an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Although one game I'm I gonna be... be a pro gamer at, you know. So if <laughs> any of the if, if, if any of the yeah, if MLG are watching, <laughs> if uh, you know, fricked, why are they call is there a, is there a team called Dignitas or is that Dignitas? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If Dignitas want to start a little Minesweeper thing, like I'll be there. I'll be yeah. there, guy. Well, I'm I'm gonna be hounding you for a, a recording of you playing yeah. minesweeper in a few weeks so i'll yeah. let you get some practice in and then Thanks. we're gonna have to talk <laughs> about <video. laughs> and everyone will be like he's so slow and shit <laughs> <laughs> i've only just yeah. started playing and i'm better than you <laughs> yeah yeah it will be that but i, I yeah honestly people should get into it it's really minesweepers really i'm gonna i'm gonna have to google how to play it to begin with anyway <laughs> yeah. well we're we're going to have to move on because we're a little pressed yeah. with time because I know you have to be somewhere in a little bit and we still have four games to go oh, through. Oh, I know. Oh, God. It's such a gamble. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to have to move on to the next game, um, which you're going to have to talk a lot about, as I said, because this is as, this next game is from a series I never really got into. Not much. Yeah. So um, it's also the only game, I think, in this list that appears on the Xbox which is <laughs> your area of expertise, yeah, supposedly. No, sorry, so. sorry, Microsoft. Don't fire me. So let's listen to some music from this next game and let's talk about it.
So, Mr. Matthew Castle, the next yeah. game that you're going to be taking, uh, well, that you're going to have with you in your apartment, um, is a game developed by Lionhead Studios, rest in peace, and published yeah. by Microsoft Game Studios, <laughs> designed by the one and only Peter Molyneux. Uh, it released originally for the Xbox 360 in October of 2008 mm-hmm. worldwide. It's the action role-playing world video game that is Fable 2. Matthew. Please tell me why this is on the game shelf in the apartment for you. So, uh, contrary to what I said with The Witcher, which is obviously a massive open world game, I until till Fable Two, I I kind of struggled with big uh, massive RPGs like uh, you know Oblivion and and the like. Um, I I find most of these games really bloated, and what I love about Fable Two is it's actually a really condensed world. Um, you know, it's not like the biggest world ever it's still pretty sizable like you can go for a good old trek and there's several towns and cities in it that you can kind of explore around yeah it, it, it you can you know very comfortably see the entire of albion and all it has to offer and it's very it feels very like hand designed it feels very focused like there's not a lot of fat on it you know there isn't that thing that you get in like sort of skyrim where you go into a shack and it's just like a genero shack and you know, the environmental storytelling basically extends to there's a piece of cheese on a shelf and you're like, well, I guess who owns this shack likes cheese. Um, you know, uh, in here, like everything was very kind of like crafted, like the art design on all the houses is really beautiful. And it's got this sort of um, slightly kind of higgledy piggledy kind of Dickensian vibe going to it, slightly steampunky. I mean, the game's sort of set at the, not the industrial revolution, but like there is a, there's a sort of hint of sort of industry coming in. It's, you know, there are, there are guns and pistols, you know, there are kind of sort of, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, a world which is on the cusp of like development and it's kind of sort of forgotten magic a bit. And, uh, so there's, there's that. I really like that. Like, I think it's really sort of focused. I think the writing's very, very funny. It's an incredibly British game. I mean, it's something Lionhead, I think really, really did that no one else does. It's, it's got a very kind of like, I don't want to sort of, sort of say like sort of, uh, sort of seaside postcard humour, but it's slightly like dodgy innuendo. It's a bit cheeky. It's a bit Python. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of like scamp scampish a little. A little, little yeah, little, but it's, like, it's yeah. really really endearing. Like I love all the, like the regional accents in it. Um, like again, the difference between it and something like Elder Scrolls. Like when you find a document in Fable Two, it will only be a page long. It won't be like you've found a 50-page book, uh, you know, about some made-up magic. It'll be, like, a page, and that page will probably have a couple of decent gags on it. You know, it's a, it, it, everything, it's a very pleasing world. Like, you can just really, you know, eat it up very quickly. Um, and at the heart of it, you have uh, this brilliant character who, you know, sort of generic hero, but you can dress them up, and they sort of shape and form based on your decisions. So... You know, if you're very good, you develop, like, a halo. If you're bad, you develop horns. But right down to, like, if you're a melee combat guy, he gets slightly more muscular. If you use uh, ranged combat, which I loved, because it's got, you know, it's got these, like, um, pistols and rifles, but they feel like they're all sort of flintlocks, so they've got this very nice kind of, like, mechanical sort of cranking feel to them. Um, if you use those, you, you grow slightly thinner and taller, and if you use magic, you sort of uh, you get all these sort of magical veins, you know, like magic sort of surges through your skin. Um, and, like, I really invested in this character just to the point where I didn't actually use a lot of magic at all because I thought it, like, disfigured him because I didn't want to see all the 
magical lines coming through. So, like, it actually shaped, like, a large portion of the game I didn't really engage with because I was so focused on being this incredibly kind of willowy, um, like, sort of, like, highwayman is sort of how I envisioned myself. Um, you know, very tall, kind of, uh, slightly dapper. You know, I'd wear quite nice coats and I had very kind of nice hair, a little moustache, all this kind of stuff. Um, uh, yeah, so it really felt like the character was mine. And where it differs from most role-playing games is... It really feels like you are playing a role in like the childlike sense of the word. Like it's like dress up. You know, I played a highwayman and I behaved accordingly. You know, you have uh, social interactions, which is like this big wheel of gestures where you can kind of, um, you know, you can kind of wave and dance and you can do cheeky stuff. You can fart and all this kind of stuff. And the, how you act around people changes their perception of you, and that feeds into your character development. So you can you can kind of really craft a narrative around yourself and how you behave, which I don't really feel, you know, in, in um, again, like in Elder Scrolls or Fallout, I feel just like a disembodied, you know, backpack full of equipment that kind of has stats attached to me in some way. But here it felt like I was that character and you could take, you know, a hundred players' characters and they'd all look completely different and you'd have behaved very differently. And it wasn't so much about, like, choice and consequence though the game did deal with that it you know it didn't shape your character through moral quandaries so much as just everyday behavior like you behaved like a different person and like that to me is like what role-playing should be yeah um uh and uh also to bring the tone down uh the game lets you shit yourself <laughs> um, uh, which is absolutely just the funniest thing in uh, like I'm not a toilet humor person at all like I you know really a lot of this stuff does not appeal to me but there's something about uh the 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 way the gestures work so you'd go into the town square and like you could sort of clap and people just like notice you because they'd be like oh who's this uh, and then you could do maybe do a little jig, and then people would start coming over, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, this is good. I'm enjoying this. This is great." And you know, you do all this good stuff, and people would like build a big crowd around you, and they'd all be clapping, and they had these funny little sound bites. They'd be like, "This guy's brilliant! Like, oh, it's the hero! Hooray! You know, this is so much fun!" <laughs> and just I'd build up the biggest crowd I could. And I, then, know uh, the, I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. So if you did the fart gesture, you could hold it. And, like, the longer you held it, like, the more amplified it became. And, you you know, so every gesture you could, like, do this, you could stretch it out and make it, like, better. You get a better result from it. But if you, like, messed it up or held it too long, um, you'd shit yourself. Uh, <laughs> so I'd get the big crowd. They'd all be like, wait, wait, wait. And then I'd do it. I'd just, I'd just sort of, like, just defecate in front of everyone. And just to see the crowd turn from, like, yeah, oh, no, oh, God. <laughs> like, oh... And, and the, like the sound bites, they were so like they'd say like, "Oh, I don't like that." I did, I did, I did not. I did not like that. Yeah, oh, I don't like that. And you'd be like, "Yeah, that's it." And then you'd just run off into the night, and that'd be it. Um, and, uh, but like it, it was endlessly hilarious. This thing because there were like inappropriate story moments you could do it at. Um, you could. Because everyone went into their houses at night. I remember going to this guy's house and, like, knocking on the door. And uh, I could hear them shuffling around inside. And you could hear him going, like, oh, I wonder who that is. Uh, 
And then he comes and opens the door. And I just do it right there in his face on his doorstep. And he's like, oh, no, I don't like that. Run off again into the night. And it doesn't have any impact on the story. <laughs> but... I, it just was ruins. my character. That is what my character did. I could um, just, I could just imagine the Lionhead Studio offices, and like the 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 story writers were like, "This is it. We've crafted the greatest RPG story of all time. <laughs> Bow down in our greatness." And then the some of the game designers are just like, "Yeah, well, well, fuck you." <laughs> they just yeah. like add the sniggering to themselves as they add in this bit that allows you to shit at any critical oh, story moment, just, ruining uh, all. Of all importance of any story oh, it's just, ever. It's so it's so funny. I it like that. The, the 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 thing I really loved about it was these were little actions, but the idea was that everything gained you changed your reputation, and there were a few chances in the game to do something really terrible. So um, there's basically a side quest where there's this evil cult and there's this village and they're kind of at war. And you have to side with one of them. And basically, which one you side with, um, like, causes the destruction of the other. So if you go with the evil cult, like, they'll kill everyone in the nearby village. And that village will just be depopulated for, like, that's it. You know, if you go with the village, you get rid of the evil cult. And then you don't get the rewards of working with the evil cult. Um, so, like, you could enact a holocaust. You could literally kill everyone in this village. And you'd get, like, mega negativity for this. Like, people would be, like, really cheesed off that you'd killed all these people. Um, but then the idea was that if you did enough burps or, or enough farts, like everyone would just forgive you eventually. Like you'd get everyone be like, oh yeah. Like I know he killed a hundred people, but remember he did a thousand farts and that was hilarious. <laughs> and like I love the logic of that. Like neutralizes oh, was... everything. <laughs> yeah, like that was heinous what he did. Oh, but man, he was good at jigging, you know. <laughs> Uh, and it's just got such a, a sense of uh, like a twisted sense of humor like you could really do weird stuff with that game um and it's, it's a series and, and... that it's a series that i just never really got into i i don't know whether it's because i didn't have the i didn't have an uh an og xbox one <laughs> yeah no, no, um, no yeah yeah and uh then when fable 2 came out i don't know maybe I'm sometimes put off by overly British things. Like, I'm British, yeah. I don't need, like, Britishness <laughs> I, I, I being rubbed that, in my face. Um, in games, there's so little of it. Yeah, like, that's very true. Uh, it's it's very quite true. a rarity. I, the other thing which factors into my love of Fable 2 is I, I reviewed it for Xbox World, which was, like, a real treat, because, um, you know, I, I, I like doing... I did a lot of non-Nintendo freelance in my earlier years, and it was a really big game, and it was just, like, a chance to play a massive game before anyone else was really exciting yeah um and i used to live with uh, rich stanton so we shared a flat <laughs> and we both reviewed it he was reviewing it for edge i did it for xbox world uh, oh i don't know if we're allowed to say he was doing it for edge anyway well he was <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> it's all secretive isn't it like um that's the, the thing world there, of game got... journalism well but with them because it's all anonymous like there's some edge scores uh which uh, I, I've done a few Edge reviews, which I still never said, like, that was me, uh, mainly because I'd get lynched, I think, if I did. So, uh, <laughs> um, uh, Mario Galaxy 2, 100 out of 10. <laughs> 10. Well, no, okay, well, I did, like, for, for, for example, I, get, I, I am the idiot, as many people would call me, who gave Skyward Sword a 10. Uh, so that was, that was me. Um, but <laughs> just one of those earlier, earlier things. Oh, I loved it. Anyway, that's my point. But, <laughs> that's, yeah, so, well, it's uh, not on the list. The spoilers, Rich it's not was, on the uh, list. 
yeah, Rich was playing it, I was playing it, and it was just really great. You know, we were both in the flat that weekend, and just seeing, like, how different, like, our characters turned out. You know, we were on very different paths, uh, you know, with the same story and everything, but, like, we were very different experiences. And it, we were just, I think it just tapped into both of our sense of humour, and we were just having such a good time, like, laughing between us at these stupid jokes and all this pooping. And he actually interviewed yeah. Peter Molyneux recently, and he asked him, he told him about my, my pooping thing. And Peter Molyneux was like, that's really childish, but I'm glad he liked it. <laughs> um, so, uh, um, yeah, so named, I have a lot of fun, Named fun and memories. shamed. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, they put it in the game. That's what it was for. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I just, I'm really fond of that game. I also think you know, underneath all the silliness, I think it does have a, a little touch of magic to it, uh, you know, in terms of the setting and the music. It's very, like, Danny Elfman-esque. Um, and it's got... Um, there's these things called demon doors, which are... Wait, wasn't it actually Danny Elfman who did it? <clears throat> I think he did. Didn't he do the main theme? He's I think so. He, there is some he... involvement. Yeah, I... Yeah. I think he I've was that, a part I think I've made it. that mistake before. <laughs> yeah, no, he was a part... That, that's the one thing that's always stood out about The main it, theme, like me, the yeah. opening to Fable 2 is just brilliant. It's got this like, bird flying over the kingdom and then it shits on someone. <laughs> and it's like really majestic <laughs> for like a minute. It's got this beautiful music and it poos on someone's head or something. You're like, oh, well, there you go. Um, and, uh, but there's these, yeah, there's these things called demon doors, which are like doors with uh, giant doors with faces and they make like demands of you. And if you meet their demands, you get to pass through to like magic realms and they're like one off like they they, they're they're really just a glorified like there's an item through this door but the item's always placed in this like magical little diorama so there's like one where there's like a huge terracotta army through the door and there's another you go through a door and you're in this like uh christmas wonderland and there's this like little shack and it's all really beautiful but the second you open the door to the shack it all turns into this like you know like crime scene like a horrible there's been this horrible murder inside the house and there are skeletons and like all the cheery christmas music just stops and it's like really eerie you know it really taps into the fable name you know it feels like a a fairy tale you know it feels like a world where magic is and um i think it is a a great shame uh, that lionhead is is no longer around and yeah. it's a great shame that they weren't allowed to just make more mainline fable games you know i think i think they were um you know i think the decisions that were made for them with going down the connect route um with uh, the journey and um fable legends which was fun enough but um you know i i, I felt like that was a a real gem of a british studio that got derailed yeah. quite heavily um but you know that's you know that's not a that that an original opinion in this day and age. But I, I, I'd love I'd love to you know if if there was any Xbox game I that would, I would love Microsoft to announce it would be like Fable Four. But I'd want Lionhead to do it. So I guess that's uh, you know not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. Well, we're going to have to move on to another huge <clears throat> RPG now, but a Japanese one. And although it does have British accents in it very overly british accents at some points uh, yes. but it's a huge rpg that's featured uh not that long ago um and so we're seeing uh seeing it again i think actually whoa i think this is the third week in a row that this game is featured on a list oh, really? um yeah um so we're gonna listen to some excellent music i always love 
uh, well, I've recently enjoyed having this game on people's list because I get to listen to the soundtrack and the wonderful, wonderful soundtrack to this game. Um, so let's listen to some music from that soundtrack and let's dive straight into it. game on uh your list matthew that you're taking with you to the apartment um is the huge jrpg excellence uh that was developed by monolith soft and released for the wii in august of 2011 here in europe um well there in europe here in japan it released in uh 2010 a year before and even later in america it's the huge action role-playing game that uh nintendo published it's xenoblade chronicles matthew this game for me needs no explanation as to why it would feature on your list, but yeah. why have you chosen this game? I, I, it's just uh, one of my favourite video game worlds. I think uh, you know for those who haven't played it, it's set on the back of like giant two like giant beings who are kind of locked in in in, a, in their sort of death blow on one another, um, and you know like you know death you know like his thigh has become like a massive grassland and you can kind of go into his big kind of icy armpit or whatever um (laughs) uh, i i I think it's just even if you know pixel for pixel it's a little rough in terms of some of some of its you know how it's actually done its world uh when i see it on tv i'm just like that is amazing like it's just a towering achievement of like art design of um you know just stepping out into this massive plane and it's so big like the world is so grand and um you know the sense of uh just freedom to kind of explore it uh it's uh, you know i just i just love being in this place uh again yeah like you said about the music the music is a huge factor in that i mean it's you know easily one of my top five gaming soundtracks um it just uh I'm just happy to walk around in that world listening to that music and and the nature of uh, it's got a, like a thousands of side quests which are on paper quite boring like kill 10 of this kill 5 yeah, of these collect it's this it's very MMO type yeah uh, but but the the combination of the location the music having that kind of time wasting potential um you know it's a game you can sink hundreds of hours into uh just kind of killing time and just sort of enjoying yourself and i love the um you know i call it an ecosystem that's probably doing it you know probably overselling it a bit but like the fact that all the monsters are in the world like for you know right from the start you'll see things which are like level 99 and just look terrifying but it's the idea of just being able to see all this stuff and think one day you know i will be able to deal with all this but not today and 
you can see giant beasts and you're like, how am I ever going to have the power to fight that? But the kind of potential is there and, you know, you kind of sort of dream of one day being able to deal with these things. And uh, it's just a, a world that's so full of potential. And because of that, because there are so many high powered things in every area, like it never feels like you've finished an area and no area becomes redundant. Like there is always a reason to return. There's always something more to do in every area. I mean, it can just, you know, eat your time up endlessly. And it, it doesn't do it with, like, you know, loads of writing or anything like that. You know, there are lots of, like, side quests. And there's, there's this big, weird, like, um, like flow diagram where you can kind of link all the characters in the world. And as you do more side quests, you work out, like, what the relationship is between all the citizens of this town. And it's just an extra thing. I and mean, it's just ludicrously stuffed with, with things to do. Um, I really like the characters. I really like the story. Um, you know, it's a bit kind of maybe a bit hokey, um, but uh, yeah, I just I love this game. I love its combat system. I love the um, that you have a magical sword that tells you when uh, what, what's going to happen in the future. And if, <laughs> if you're going to have a terrible fate, and then you get a chance to kind of uh, remedy that. You know, it says in thirty seconds this thing is going to kill you with this attack, and then you've got thirty seconds to like work out how to like combo it so it doesn't do it or like buff yourself so the attack won't kill you i think that's a really great way of tying in um you know a, a battle mechanic to the kind of the, the story which is a fundamental yeah. thing about a kind of magical sword um you know so many games have like a legendary weapon which doesn't actually do anything um but that one the monado yeah. really does change the monado the is pretty powerful <laughs> yeah it's great i love the monado um, yeah Cool, uh, cool design as well. Really cool yeah, design. Yeah, it's got. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's great. I mean, the weapons. I really like the characters, even with their annoying British accents. I mean, a lot of people playing <laughs> Japanese. I actually play in English. I like all the English sound bites. Um, Dunban is the coolest dude ever. Um, uh, yeah, like this. It's it's just a game with a hundred small reasons to love it. Really. Um, uh, I really like the chain attacks, where you kind of uh, you build up like a team meter, and then you basically you can take direct control of your teammates and tell them to do one move. And then you can kind of um, certain moves. If you do them in sequence, they have like amazing, like they double up, you need to knock a monster over and then do this attack on it. And that yeah. You do like a critical attack and then you can do yeah, like a and you team. can end up chaining all these moves. And yeah. it just feel, it just, it's a really satisfying system. Um, also helped by the amazing battle theme. Again, the, the music's great. Yeah, I just love it. And it oh, I, just, I had a. I love it. So good. Oh, it's brilliant. So it came with um, when you when uh, it came with a when they released it in the UK. It had a through the like the Club Nintendo or whatever it is. It had a digital like a digital soundtrack of like ten tracks. Yeah, I had that. I had them on my work yeah. computer, and I must have written everything for Endgamer that year to that soundtrack on a loop like it's so just ingrained in my in my mind um oh it's so good I, I yeah it's I, it's it's just a masterpiece it's the best it's the best JRPG of the last 10 years for sure um, so speaking then at the start mm-hmm. you said you didn't really play m- much Nintendo games uh since you know official yeah. Nintendo magazine stopped and all that um well, so what about Xenoblade Chronicles uh X. I, I've only played. Uh, I've only played a very small chunk of it. Um, um, uh, I haven't even got to the the robot, <laughs> the scales. Um, well, the, well the, that, that's fair enough because the robot thing is something that takes like thirty hours to happen. So yeah, and I've pooled around in it like other people's save files and things. So I've seen. No, I've sort of seen the deal of it. I'm, 
<coughs> on paper, I think it it looks um, absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, and I was so excited about it. when I was on O and M. Like that was the game which kind of kept us going. Like the promise of Xenoblade Chronicles X. Um, but I I found I must admit I found like the tone of it a little a little hard to get into. Like I didn't really like the characters. The story didn't really do it for me. I found the, I think the sci-fi trappings weren't quite what I wanted. Like I like the slightly low low-grade tech thing of Zen, of the first Zenbay Chronicles. Um, yeah, I just found like it was a world I bounced off a little. Like it, it didn't feel as magical. Like it's amazing, and it feels like genuinely alien. Um, also, the music. It, it does. Good. It it does. Well, the music's shit. The music's <laughs> terrible. Well, it's it's funny because that. So I was so obsessed with um, the potential of that game that the I really got into the composer. I can't remember his name now, but um, he did like he's done a lot of anime soundtracks. He did like Attack on Titan, um, but he did this soundtrack for one of the Gundam series. I think it's like Gundam Unicorn, which is absolutely amazing. Like it's a thing I found, and I became obsessed with this soundtrack. Like <laughs> to the point where I got like relatives to buy me the soundtrack for Christmas. This sort of Japanese sort of uh, you know OST. Um, yeah. And but then the soundtrack in the game is like really disappointing, like that freaking hip hop thing in the town. Oh, uh, it, it just the it's like yeah, it's yeah. like if if people haven't played it or haven't heard it, it's basically if you took like the butt metal Sonic <laughs> era stuff and then put like the worst hip hop like beats over the top of it with like someone just saying yeah yeah come on yeah yeah that that's that's it and it, and compared to the orchestral beauty yeah. of Xenoblade Chronicles I just imagine just... if you came out onto onto Gower Plain in Xenoblade and it was all like yeah yeah <laughs> you know, you'd be like oh man what a buzzkill uh, uh, I think Xenoblade Chronicles X is uh, is a great game as well oh uh, but... yeah I, I I have no doubt I just I, I I just, just didn't have the time. Like it, it was commanding a huge amount of time, and I just didn't have the time to give it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You played the you played the Xenoblade Chronicles, which is in hindsight probably the better one. So. Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, it's fine. It's just, it's just on, on a, a tiny little aside. It's um, it's so accommodating. Like the way the fast travel works, the fact you can save anyway, the way the way that it doesn't really punish death too much. Like compared to most JRPGs, it's almost they they went through everything and went, oh, what are the niggly little things you don't like? Let's fix that. And it's just uh, like really accessible, I think. Um, like nothing to kind of there's no there's very few obstacles to you enjoying it. Like it just gets on with it, and it like the way the fast travel is so quick. Like it just loads you into like this massive environment just like that. Um oh, it's brilliant. It's just it's great. What a game. Excellent. Well, we're gonna move on to a great, great little uh DS game now. Uh that yes. is your penultimate game. Um so let's listen to some music from this next game and let's talk about it.
So the second to last game that you're taking with you, Matthew, mm. um, is a wonderful little DS game that comes from such a great series, and I think one of the most underrated Nintendo series mm-hmm. of all time. Their games are quirky, incredible, beautiful, and just so much fun to play. And this game is excellent as well. It was developed by the wonderful Intelligent Systems in conjunction with Nintendo's SBD department, uh, directed by Goro Abe, famous uh uh, director of this series um it was released for the ds in japan way back in 2009 and then a year later in the west as per usual with these kind of things its mm-hmm. full title is warrior do it yourself better known as warrior diy matthew yes. why why is the second game a uh, second to last game you're taking with you <clears throat> for the apartment warrior <laughs> diy well it's it's basically infinite game isn't it because it's a game that lets you make more games so, uh, you know, on a simple greed level, I will never go hungry. I'll be able to feed myself with infinite games. I mean, and and I mean, the joke was when we re- reviewed this in Endgamer was it's a game that technically Endgamer made most of the games in it. Uh, and as Endgamer was perfect and infallible, the game was too. And I gave it 100%. Uh, <laughs> uh, <which is laughs> There's like been a lot of high scores here, it Matthew. Incredibly, <laughs> in- incredibly indulgent. Um uh, the re- yeah, so and that partly the reason is because it, uh, yeah, I get to make loads of more games with it. Um, sadly, the uh, the Nintendo Wi-Fi thing's been taken down now, so I won't be able to download all the hundreds of thousands of things which other people uploaded. But yeah. in my dream world, I would be able to, but that doesn't matter. Um, so like, I don't know. Like, I think a lot of people like har- you know, you harbor kind of uh, creative ambitions when you're in games that you you know you think, oh, I'd love to be able to make something like this uh and i find a lot of the games which are based around like user-generated content um like really don't work for me because it's too complicated or what they're asking you to make is is too complicated so like you know the idea of building an entire level even something like mario maker an entire level seems like a huge chore to me and, and something i didn't do um like same with Little Big Planet, you know, it's just it's asking for too much creativity of me, which sounds very, um, <laughs> you know, very like entitled. But it's true. Not everyone has like, oh, I've got a brilliant idea for a level which is going to take you ten minutes, and then it's going to take me weeks to build. But the beauty of WarioWare is because the games are four second long. They're built around one interaction and crude art. Anyone can make a WarioWare game. Uh, you know you. And you could pretty look around your room and you could probably see a hundred inspirations for how what a game could be. You can make it, prototype it, finish it in five minutes. You know, it's a game which, which really pushes rough and ready game development. It just says, get it out there, just do it. Why not? You know, it's like Wario, who cares? It's a bit stupid, it's a bit dumb, you know, a bit rough around the edges. But fundamentally, you've done it, you've made it, you've got a little thing to your name. Uh, and you never know, maybe you've made something as good as one of the brilliant games in WarioWare. And it, it's also a game that makes you appreciate the the beauty of what the WarioWare mini games are, the micro games, sorry. You know, that how hard it is to actually to make something that surreal at that kind of conveys its message in three seconds. You know, some of these things are over in a blink of an eye. Uh, and yet, they, you know, I don't think I probably ever made anything as that felt as satisfying to play as any of the games that came bundled with it. But I made so many games with this. Um, like I was absolutely obsessed with it. We used to do these big features in Endgamer where we um, did like we made themed games. So like uh, 
uh, Kitsy, Martin Kitts, did like a load of uh, famous films as WarioWare mini games, and he did a load of like he did a, like a review of the year in news as these mini games. And I did a I did a Christmas um, like Christmas movies as WarioWare mini games, and it took me weeks, and the feature took ages to do because I I really got into it because actually yeah. like the, um, when you when you really dig into it, it's got very simple like pro- it's a very simple like programming language. It's all done with sort of sentence structure. So it's like, you know, when you tap object one, it will, you know, fill in the blanks. And then there's like... It's, um, it's like pseudo-programming, essentially. Just yeah, like... but, it, but it, it presents it in a way that anyone can understand it and anyone can make it work. And actually, but the, what's brilliant about it is they're so seemingly restrictive on the surface, like the, the, the verbs you have to play with that you think, oh, this is going to be really limited, but the beauty of it, and what I imagine the beauty of like programming is, is finding workarounds, it's finding ways of colliding um, very simple ideas or using them in a, in a lateral way and, and, and finding like a new twist on it. And, you know, I made stuff where I was like, yeah, I've really like pushed against this. Like I really feel like I've, you know, I've made something where the idea is, you know, it's actually it's an interesting point in the uh, there was an Awata asks for this that I remember and um, at one point the director talks about people were making games in it where he even he would be like how the hell did you do that you know like <laughs> what, what, what instructions did you put in to make that effect and that's part of the appeal there's a bit of showing off to it you know you can make a four second thing and the idea of like you know oh wow that effect's really cool like you you imagined a way of turning the crude art assets on their side or you know using a timer in a weird way or something you know and and uh yeah i'm really proud of my little mini games i made and you know i think it's a system i could just you know given infinite time in my depressing human free apartment um i'll be able to just sort of like become a master of it um yeah i, I love i love where i do i think it's great i think it's the best user generated game ever um and uh yeah that's why i want it <laughs> excellent well you can have it and uh Thanks. maybe maybe we will... if you were like no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we're gonna banish you but you can't have that no yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's weird because i kind of want a way of without <laughs> sounding like big brother and filming the apartment that you're trapped in um but i want a way to see your mind sweeping skills but i also kind of want to see the levels well, the, oh, the games yeah. well, you'd create. They're, they're um, on the Endgamer's old YouTube channel, there are the WarioWare games we made. You can look them up. If you type in, like, WarioWare Christmas movies, it will pop up on Google. Like, you can see Endgamer's well, Christmas montage. I, and you can... I know what I'm doing after this, then. Yeah, you can watch <laughs> I'm going to check that out. They're really, there's a really violent I love one that game. Which, where he punches... I think I did uh, Jingle All The Way, the Arnold Schwarzenegger film, where he punches out a reindeer. And there's a mini game. We have to punch a reindeer in the face, and it like it puts his, <laughs> like his knuckles become blood flecked. <laughs> it's like it's really grim. <laughs> um, so I, you know, they were obviously I made these a long time ago, so they're probably a bit more violent. There's another. There's a bad Santa one where bad Santa pukes on a kid's face. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I was I'm very infantile. Between that and Fable Two, you're getting a, a very bad picture of myself. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow, we're gonna have to move on to your final game then, which yes. also also features Wario, um, but features yes. a whole host of Nintendo characters. And uh, although we are hitting two hours and uh, sixteen minutes or whatever it is now, <laughs> this next game is a game I could talk about forever. Um, 
Whoa. just infinitely. Um, but we'll keep it short and we'll keep it brief <laughs> for you. But we're going to go into Matt's, Matthew's final game now. Um, so let's talk about Matthew's final game. Final game that you're taking with you then, Matthew, is a game that it's a game series I've always loved. But this game in particular, I, I it must be my most played game uh, within maybe the past two years. I I play it almost every week at some point. I love it to death, and I I play it all the time with friends. Unfortunately, being in Japan now limits that, which it upsets me greatly. But I I do play it online, which is weird for the console. It's on uh it's a game that was developed by sora limited which is uh masahiro sakurai director of the games company uh, in conjunction with bandai namco published by nintendo it released for the 3ds but we're talking about the wii u version of the game yeah uh, it released in october of 2014 um which seems like a long time ago but this game yeah. still seems <clears throat> relatively new uh it's super smash brothers for wii u or super smash brothers 4 Matthew, please tell me why you are taking Super Smash Brothers 4 with you to the apartment. So, uh, I love Smash Brothers. It's one of my favourite Nintendo series, probably my favourite Nintendo multiplayer game. Um, Agreed. Pure, Agreed. For purely uh, nostalgic reasons. Uh, you know, I had the original on N64, and I played it loads with my brother, and we absolutely like loved it. And I don't think I played games harder than, than I did on the N64, because we just had... A, so few games to play because um, you know you're kids and you only got them at Christmas and birthdays and um, we just had more time and then the GameCube version like we played Melee like again just religiously just me and him constantly battling constantly battling um, and then ever since then it's been on a bit of a downward decline not in terms of quality but just in terms of like play time like A because my brother wasn't around um, I went through a stint of playing Brawl with uh, Rich Stanton at work and we used to get told off for swearing too loud at lunchtimes. Um, <laughs> uh, and also, he's better at it than I am, so I didn't like that. Um, and, uh, yes, yeah, so, so the reason I picked the Wii, the Wii one is because it's, it's the one I've played the least um, because it came out in the month that I left, just after I left official Nintendo. Uh, and, you know, it very much, like, defined those two years on the mag because we knew it was coming and smash brothers was always massive for us so like you'd milk that magazine that game like crazy we wrote so much about it and then i never really felt like i got to put a proper full stop on it um because you know i, I was gonna say mag. like the launch was like exactly at the time that official nintendo magazine finished as well wasn't it yeah i think we reviewed the 3ds version i don't know if we actually reviewed the wii one um 
So, yeah, I, I never sort of properly got to play it. And I played it a little bit with, like, my other half and, uh, you know, a couple of friends when, you know, Greeno came over to Bath a few times and we'd play it. And I absolutely love what I've played of it. But I just feel like it's... Uh, that particular version is so rammed with Nintendo love, which is kind of the whole point <sighs> of Smash Brothers. Yeah. That I haven't done it anywhere near amount of justice. And I'd, I'd basically be taking it to the apartment as, like... It's basically a... a Smash Brothers is kind of like a like a document of like where Nintendo are at at that time. You know, it tells you kind of what was important to them. It's got all the heritage, but it also it's really interesting to see which modern elements they bring into it, you know, which levels they choose to bring in, you know, whether it's like, you know, Nintendogs or Picto Chat or whatever. Um, you know, and each of those games, you know, if you play them in succession, you can kind of see I'm more from melee onwards, you can really see like an image of like what Nintendo are changing as a company, you know, how their games were branching out or doing some really interesting stuff. Um, It's like a reflection of what Nintendo has faith in almost. Um, In a sense that uh, like, obviously the vetting process for characters that get added to it is like, it must be like one of the most difficult tasks that Sakurai has on his hand. Thinking of like how the characters are going to work. Like how does like duck hunt dog work? Like how does that work? And, and that kind of stuff. Um, but it's also like, as you said, like it's almost like a picture of the time of like a Nintendo, like at that time. And like, especially with this most recent one with the Wii U one, you've got like a lot of fire emblem characters in it off the back of like awakening. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, with these characters, not even like Krom, like the main character from Fire Emblem Awakening being in that game. But all of a sudden, thanks to that, there's just this resurgence of love for Fire Emblem. And it's almost yeah. like Nintendo, Nintendo's faith and their love of what they create, not essentially what they think fans like, mm-hmm. um, but what they like that about themselves and what they have faith in. And they put it into this one game and they, and they treat it with such care and mm. such... Just pure love, as you said, and it, mm. it's such a nice, like, museum almost of yeah, uh, a package. But it's like a museum where you get to have a massive, like, punch up in it um, and just throw <laughs> the museum. And I, I really thought the Wii, I thought the the Wii U and the 3DS version, like, they just pushed it a little bit f- uh, further in terms of like a lot of the new items were specific props from games. Like, they weren't just mechanics made up for Smash Brothers. You know, it was like the 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 you know certain you know the items from Zelda and very specific things in there. Sorry, a lot of this is leaving my mind now. It's been a long time since I played it, but <laughs> it, it just felt like they it was even more Nintendo than it had ever been before. And yeah, um, yeah, it's also just really co- like it's a, it's a super colourful version. You know, uh, uh, Brawl was quite muted. Um, I always thought Brawl reminded me of like it was very like Twilight Princess. You know, it's kind of Nintendo was going through its slight, like there was a slight kind of hint of grunge to everything. Everything was yeah, like, like the slightly the sub- more mature design of everything. Yeah, yeah. The subspace emissary stuff was <laughs> a little dark as well, and uh, yeah, every, all the levels were like sort of sci-fi looking, and uh, oh. it definitely wasn't like the bright Nintendo that everyone sort of knows. Yeah. Oh, I tell you what, I hated the subspace emissary. I like. I it actually, wasn't. It wasn't good. <laughs> I like. I I know it's extra stuff, but like I actively mark that game down because of it. I thought I was just so duff. Um, like <laughs> I just took those like fighting mechanics and was like, oh, it's a level. It's going to work like a traditional level, and you're like, oh, it's not built for that. 
Like the just, whole idea of this game is that the stages have edges. Like when you remove yeah. that, what's the point? You know, oh, it's just got it's garbage. Also, um, Sonic shouldn't be in those games. I'm just saying, you know, I'm I'm a I'm very anti-Sonic. Um, uh, like he's anti Nintendo. He's the Nintendo's rival. He should not like Mario should not be going to the freaking Olympics with Sonic, and Sonic should not be in a celebration of Nintendo history. Like he is not Nintendo. Um, and the worst thing was like on End Gamer that was fine. Like we were anti-Sonic, people were cool with it. On O&M, people liked Sonic. Like, what was wrong with them? Like, you couldn't. Like, one of the best ever-selling issues of official Nintendo was um, like Sonic Unleashed, which is like freaking garbage. That game, it's, like the game's terrible, absolutely I, I terrible. Just, I, 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 but, 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 but that it's because they, they had a slightly younger readership, and for that generation, like, if if the first Nintendo machine you ever played was GameCube, you would expect Sonic to be on. You know, you have played Nintendo where Sonic. Is just the Sonic thing, Advance, you know? yeah, 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 Adventure Two DX, yeah, Adve- yeah, Adventure. Like, yeah. But to me, like, maybe it's the old rivalry, and I shouldn't be clinging on to it. But like, seriously, Sonic. So Sonic. yeah, but <laughs> well, going back to it, so like, I know, I know, you hate Sonic, but you hate <laughs> Mega Man as well. What, what yeah, about Mega well, Man? Yeah, I do, but he he at least he's a Nintendo guy. Like he is Nintendo through and through, and I don't yeah. like him in the game. I, I you know, I. I won't even pretend to talk about characters as if I have any grasp of their, like, you know, people talk about fighting characters. They're like, oh, this guy's overpowered. Or I, I no, I just don't care. I'm, it's not a technical fighting game to me at all. Um, I really like uh, Little Mac because his, uh, when he does that slow motion punch, it's just brilliant. Like it, it, when it connects and it's just like the KO punch, you're just like, path. Um, I like that. So he's good. Um, I, 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 Lil Mac's one of my favorite characters. I, I love Lil Mac, so he's great. Um, I'm trying to think who else they added that I really like. Lil Mac was definitely the big addition that I really liked. Um, yeah, who do you play as in it? If you play as, I mean, if you play as anyone specific, um, I don't particularly tend to play as anyone specifically. The, yeah. I, I always tend to play like selecting random because I don't mind playing oh, anyone, yes. but. Maybe a few characters I don't particularly like playing, um, but Jig- Jigglypuff when... and all that stuff. Uh, no, Jigglypuff is fun, but maybe like Ganondorf. I don't particularly like playing Ganondorf. Oh, yeah. He's too slow. I don't, I don't like the big heavy characters much. Well, well, I like Bowser and uh, I like oh. like Captain Falcon and stuff like that. But uh, Ganondorf is he's fun if you're playing in a group and you're just like having fun because he is crap. But yeah. When I'm playing like online, maybe I don't know. I I really like playing Little Mac, but he's not very good because like his recovery jump is abysmal. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, I like having fun with King Day today because he is impossible to knock off the stage. He can. He just recovers all the time. Mm. Uh, I don't know actually. Uh, I haven't really thought about it in this one. Like the new DLC characters, uh, Bayonetta and Corrin from uh, Fire Emblem Fates. They're both really, really good, um, really powerful. I know, I know you don't like to, like talk it Smash Brothers technically, but um, Bayonetta and Corrin are very, very good. Um, so I've been like playing the, with I them like the a Wii lot. Fit trainer, just because she's funny. Like the idea of it is hilarious. Yeah, the idea of it is really funny. I don't know. I tend to play on random when I'm playing with like yeah, on my so own or with friends. So I, I don't know. That, when the roster was smaller, we used to play as like more specific characters like i always really liked i like link just because i like the i like the idea of hitting uh stupid nintendo characters with a sword um, <laughs> uh, it's just very sat- very satisfying but yeah like my um my brother who i used to play it with 
you know, he, he now plays it with my even younger brother at back home. And, and yeah, they play like random characters, which um, I'm always at a massive disadvantage because I just don't play it much. So I, I, uh, I don't know like half of what anyone does. Um, of course, you could just smash the buttons and do fine. Um, but it, but uh, it, that's that's the beauty of Smash Brothers. It's like unlike Street Fighter, where maybe half the the roster has the same control input as the other half of the roster, but then there's the variation of characters that maybe have charge moves and stuff. Whereas in Smash Brothers, the control system is the same. It's just that the input for each character, what the output is, is different. So yeah, you know yeah. that like holding a side A or a side B will always do a move. It's just different for every character, but yeah. you know how to how to control that character still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it, it's yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really um, yeah, a really great game. Um, like the the again, partially taking it because it's a soundtrack of like modern Nintendo, um, and the remixes and things are just so good. Um, uh, you know, I think I think you know brawl. Brawl soundtrack was also just truly magnificent. I had like a a massive. Uh, I don't know how I had this, but I had a massive file of it on my computer at work, um, uh, and I used to listen to it. And because I listened to it so much that I even warmed to like all those shit Sonic songs. <laughs> like I convinced myself that like yeah, like the, the magic rings or whatever it is from freaking. Wow, what are they called? What like are they the called? Secret Crush. Ring. What are they called? The, the, There's the, the one Sonic... from Sonic and the Secret Rings where it's all like, chase the rings, chase the rings, or well, something. Well, well like... they're all one band. It's like one band that's done the music for like all of yeah. the songs. I, I can't remember. They're called I like, quite like Crush, the song from Sonic, Crush Sonic 49 Hero. or something. Oh, right. I, I like the song from Sonic Heroes, which says Sonic Heroes a lot. That's Sonic Heroes. Uh, Sonic. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so whiny. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, it's fine. And it also had the. Um, I really got into the. You know, the incredibly naff songs from Metal Gear. Um, that warbling. I mean, maybe some people think they're brilliant. I don't know. But there's that sort of warbling late, you know, calling to the night or something it's called. Oh, I, li- um, I like the Metal Gear ones. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Well, I like, well, maybe they're good songs. And maybe I like them because I have good taste. Um, maybe. But, maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, they were always a secret shame. But yeah, I love the, I love the, the music remixes in it. Um, like, just if you just bought that game as a soundtrack, like it's 50 quid's worth of amazing music. Um, uh yeah, it's fab. It, it looks fab, and I, and I don't really know it that well. I mean, it's a bit weird maybe to pick a game that I don't know that well. But I want to learn to play Smash Brothers well, with you. It's and, one of those really safe bets where infinite gameplay. Yeah. So just and, fight the AI forever. I know, obviously, it'd be nice if I could have like you know a friend. But well, you I can you can play online. You just you can't oh, we're communicate. To play online. Oh, yeah, you can't. To play online. Yeah, you can't communicate yeah. with him. But it it's doesn't a matter. Local multiplayer game, though, isn't it? Smash Brothers. Um, it, it's the like, best multiplayer game in I, I my opinion. Like the, um, I quite like it's that online thing. mode where you watch people and bet on them. I quite like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because you know you can see people who are amazing at it, and every once in a while you'll bet on someone like in the lobby, and you'll be like, "Oh yeah, this is the guy," and then it'll just be clear from like the first three seconds he's no idea what he's doing, like just falls off the <laughs> level or something, just gets pummeled, and it's just sort of like you know watching like your horse get kind of crippled in the first like second of the race or something. <laughs> and you're like oh god <laughs> like what have i done what this a waste. I don't gamble for real uh yeah um yeah but yeah it's it's uh, yeah I, I, just a lot of affection for that series um it kind of bugs me that like 
you know, when people do write about it or talk about it in a serious way, that they, they try and kind of reclaim it in the name of serious fighting games, you know, or they try and justify it, where actually I think it's it's got all this mad shit in it. And I think, you know, just embrace embrace the scale of it. You know, if if, if to for a game to function as a technical fighter, you have to turn off so many elements of what makes the game the game. I, I don't know if that's in the spirit of the thing, um, but, you know, that's obviously... Yeah, I, I don't know. I like all aspects of it. I like playing with all the items on. <clears throat> I like playing without them. I like playing with, like, handicaps. I don't know. I just... I like... you are, you're a far more open-minded man than I, Liam. Because uh, <laughs> uh, you know I'm 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 I'm, I'm very aggressively pro chaos when it comes pro, to Smash Brothers. Pro, chaos, chaos is all good as yeah. as long as when people start talking and saying that they're better than me, that's when they have to turn the items off just so I can teach them a lesson. That, are you are you actually are you good at it? Uh, it's. I think it's the only game I've ever been good at ever. Oh, <laughs> like, I, it's, I'm am terrible. Much, it's at very much your minesweeper then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. I just I love it so much that it's the only game I don't care about losing in. So maybe that just oh. makes me a little bit better because then I'm just having fun <laughs> while I'm playing. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I I have such a soft spot for this game. I have for the whole series, but this game in particular. Um, Everyone knows I I do love Nintendo and I I love what they've crafted and created over the years, especially when they combine all those things into one thing, which Smash Brothers is a celebration of. And it's just all nice. It's like a big snug blanket I can wear over me and just browse through like all the. I love browsing through the trophies and looking at all the random ass characters that no one knows about. And um, yeah, love it. Yeah, as like a as a like magazine person it's like a it's a magazine's dream that game because it's just every screen you print looks amazing asset, just, asset, you know asset. there's so much in it yeah and um <laughs> you can just fill like you can fill hundreds of pages with that game um you know even the speculation in the lead up to it about what characters are going to be in it it's just really fun to talk talk about and second guess um you know when it finally comes out like and that's the annoying thing. Like we never had a chance to kind of do it, but I I, I imagine we would have uh, covered it brilliantly. Uh, he said, uh, <laughs> "Yeah, I do, I do, I do love it." And um, there's clearly a lot of love for it. And you know, I think because of uh, Mister Owata's ties with the with the series early on, you know, yeah. it was obviously like a really key key um, you know key piece of the Nintendo puzzle for him. And and uh, you know, it's just such a yeah, such an amazing game. Um, such an amazing series. Just such a like, and and it shows like the strength of Nintendo, that heritage that just no one else has. I think PlayStation's getting to the point now where it kind of has some of it because like you've got a lot of like nostalgia for PlayStation One, but even they like if you put together their best twenty faces, like don't even bother compared to Nintendo. You know, like, yeah, they did that, yeah, they did that Smash Brothers rip off, and it was just like. Crap. No, just no one has that iconic no, like, no, and feel just, at all. Just, you know, Nintendo. That is that is what they'll always have, and as long as they can find new ways of kind of uh, sort of keeping keeping that going, and and not just relying on the on the heritage, but making sure those characters have like new things to say. And Smash well, Brothers shows that you know they do, we spoke you know? we spoke at length about Galaxy Two, and it's just Nintendo have this way of taking keeping everything the same but then just creating like all of a sudden just releasing something that is like whoa holy shit that is so new and inventive and and creative which is just to their like 
just to one of their extreme qualities as a company. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. So good. I do miss it. Like, I, I, I you know, I, 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 there's not been many games over the last couple of years where I've been like, oh, geez, like, it's a real shame I don't get to write about Nintendo anymore. Um, if anything, I'd be like, oh, fuck, how the hell do you have filled a mag in these last two years? Because, like, it would have basically been the official Splatoon mag and nothing else. Um, so, like, yeah. in some ways, it was a godsend. Uh, but, um, yeah, like, I, you know, just thinking of these games for this list and like looking back over it you know it, it is a uh, it's a really special company it's a really special company to write about as well like um you can talk about them in a way that you just don't talk about any other games company you know xbox is so far from nintendo in terms of like what they do you know they have their own strengths obviously but um you know it's 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 for them it's about like the sort of the the, the march forward and uh you know it's it's I, I miss the sort of luxuriating in 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 the in the, the sort of the breadth of Nintendo's past, you know. It's, yeah. it's just uh, it's a it's a real tr- it's a real treat to write about it. Um, yeah, excellent. So, not to end on too melancholic a note. <laughs> no, but definitely, definitely a. I basically point... really sadly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you are being cast off to an apartment to live in yeah, for the rest of your days. Well, yeah, and I've surrounded myself with Nintendo friends, and in, I yeah. think Fable's probably Memories. the most Nintendo-like game Microsoft have had any involvement <laughs> in. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I think that was a poignant one to end this absolutely fantastic, epic 30th yeah. uh, oh, episode. I, I hope it was, I hope it was a, a worthy a worthy, uh, it definitely a worthy was. episode. It absolutely uh, was, Matthew, and it's been an absolute utter pleasure having you on. I was told I would be in for a treat having you on, I, and I absolutely and, and definitely what I got have. was a man bollocking on about my sweep <laughs> of half an hour. <laughs> so, thank but you now I'm just intrigued. I'm gonna like. I'm gonna like YouTube videos about Minesweeper. I'm incredibly intrigued about Fast Minesweeper now. Oh, so that's good. Well, I, I I hope you know. I hope the podcast goes from strength to strength. There's a uh, Gav Murphy, you've had on the show before. He's just uh, um, he jokingly calls me the closer because I join magazines and then get get them <laughs> shut. <laughs> Basically, this uh, is it. Next week he'll be like, "That's it. Final Games has yeah, unfortunately so, come to an end." <laughs> I hope uh, I hope you prove Gav wrong and uh, break the break the castle curse. Uh, I should say OXM <laughs> is going on very healthily and it's doing fine. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> just before we get into uh, that, um, I have to ask you before you leave. Yeah. Uh, the question I ask everyone, mm-hmm. which is, if you could take any console with you, barring PC, um, if you could take any console, factoring the back catalog, uh, all the games released for the system, yeah. if there was one console you could take with you to that apartment, what console would it be? Uh, DS. Hands easy. down. Easy. Yeah, easy. <laughs> nice. I DS because... Uh, just the, the the amount of games with it, the scope of them, like loads of people did really classy work on that. Um, you know, Ace Attorney, obviously, Ghost Trick, um, Owen Dan, absolutely amazing. Um, can you use the? Are we allowed to use the DS to play GBA games as well? Because it's got the DS, the GBA slot. Well, you, well, you have to decide between taking a 3DS, which allows you to play DS games, or you have to, or taking a DS that allows you to play GBA games. I take it. Oh, that's brute. That's difficult. Because <laughs> there, there is not, there is not 3DS a... games. But then, if you take a, if you take a DS and you can play GBA games, you can play Rhythm Tengoku, the original, which 
very w- was on my list of, of of eight games for a long time. Um, I'd also be able to play um, uh, my beloved um, Hotel Dusk and Last Window. I'd be able yep. to play Last Window inside Last Window <laughs> apartment, which is a bit Meta. of a head fuck. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but that would be great. Um, yeah, I just think the D- DS. I mean, maybe it's just nostalgia because it was the console which I wrote most about while I was on Endgamer. But I, uh, you know, I love uh, Phantom Hourglass, Spirit Tracks. Like there's, yeah. there's. Um, Oh, it's, it's a great game. Yeah, d- d- definitely DS. It's a pretty cinematic DS, the, d- yeah. the DS is yours then. You can have it. Um, so Matthew, Matthew, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. After awesome, talking to yeah. you for weeks about arranging this episode, yeah, it's finally... Yeah, um, yeah I'm, glad, well, I'm glad we got to do it. And uh, yeah, thanks. Keep up the good work. It's really interesting like hearing uh, like all my kind of peers and other game developers and things talk so sort of passionately about stuff because you know we funnily enough we don't tend to have these conversations at work so um there is a distinct lack of positive talk about video games amongst professionals i think so yeah we are like i like like, we're all we're all dead into it and you know but we we don't just sit down and gab about like favorites or you know we don't necessarily have time so we're so busy so it's it's been yeah it's been really fun just like listening to like rich and joe scribbles and kay and samuel roberts and you know, well it's, it's, i uh, hope i hope i can continue to please keep do. that interesting enough <laughs> but for today you are the guest and i would like for you to tell the wonderful people where they can find you on the internet to hear uh more matthew <laughs> castle opinions and also about official xbox magazine uh so yeah i i, I official xbox magazine comes out every month um it's pretty good i'm quite pleased with it <laughs> um uh we re- redesigned earlier in the year uh so it's got like a slightly newish look um it's got a lot of people who've appeared on this podcast right for it um yeah andy kelly sam roberts rich stanton um it's got a lot of brilliant writing in it um a lot of uh you know we're trying to do a bit more of the nostalgic stuff uh and we've obviously got all the stuff on the new and upcoming games um so do do give that a look we've got a very nice final fantasy issue out uh this month uh and uh i occasionally do a podcast with uh mark green formerly of endgamer and alan madrell uh formerly of n64 magazine um called the rotating platform uh but we haven't actually done it like we've done one episode this year because i've been a a terrible turd and just uh, not being able to sort of set anything up and I've been so busy and I moved house and da 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 and so I've kind of really ground that to a halt but um yeah if you just look up um the rotating platform you can hear us twitter on largely about Nintendo um making dumb jokes I've probably repeated loads of crappy jokes I've made on there before uh, on this so I apologize for that uh, <laughs> plagiarize myself um but yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's basic. That's basically it. <laughs> wow! Thank you very much, Matthew, and thank you to everyone who's listened to this episode and the twenty-nine previous episodes. Uh, I, as I go on fairly regularly, um, I never ever thought this uh, show would go past one or two episodes. Um, so it's incredible to be here at thirty. Although we only, amazingly, are only from January to August. But 30 episodes, there's been so many amazing and incredible guests that have come and chat to me about all the wonderful games that we've had. So thank you all for listening. Um, and if this is the first episode 
that you're listening to, you can check out previous episodes. Uh, if you go to www.soundcloud.com forward slash Final Games Podcast, you can also find us on iTunes. Um, surprisingly enough, the show has now got so many listeners that it's regularly um, featuring in the top 50 or so of the podcast thing all week, which is yeah. amazing. Um, uh, and then it's now usually sometimes... Posting. Yeah, well, it just amazes me that I like. I'm going to search for other like podcasts that I want to listen to. I'm like, oh, there, there's Final Games. Oh, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. And yeah. now that it just stays as a constant, it's really just weird to me. Yeah. <laughs> really yeah. weird. Oh, well, congrats! Much deserved. <laughs> Thank you very much. But if you want to, you can go on iTunes. You can also review and rate on iTunes. That really does help in some way, keeping it around there. You can also find me on Twitter at Liam BME, and also you can find the show at final game show um surprisingly enough i'm although this is going out on monday and we are recording now on thursday um on friday i will have done the first ever final games qa live stream that a lot of people have been asking me for i've never live streamed ever before so i'm gonna give it a go on friday um uh so if you tuned into that because we're talking now in the future um thank you for coming i hopefully i'm going to do more type of streamy things um so if you're interested in potentially coming and hanging out with me asking questions about the show and watching me play video games very badly uh you can go to twitch.tv forward slash final games tv so that'd be really cool so if you did come on friday Thank you for tuning in. This, but... is where we, this is where we find out something like horrible happened on the stream. and Everyone's listening to this on Monday and you've got like SWAT attacked or something. <laughs> if something terrible happened on Friday, ignore everything You're I like, just said. I, I, and... I, hope to do, I hope to do another one of these things soon, he says, having been on fire for a solid two hours. <laughs> that was such a joyous experience, yeah. having had a heart attack while streaming. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway... It, Thank you once again. I've lost my train of thought now. But oh, thank sorry, you. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Thank you very much to Math- Matthew for coming on the show. Um, and thank you for listening. I hope to see you for the 31st episode next week. And goodbye.